Wakey, wakey, Iggy Biggy. Tis the Smod Coast Morning Show. Blasting awesome sauce all over your interwebs. Oh, good morning, everybody. Welcome wakey, to the Smod Coast Morning Show, West Coast Edition. Wakey, wakey. I am one of your hosts, Marty. You, I'm here with Wiggy Wiggy. With, I'm Twiggy. I'm here with Twiggy. Uh, what's up, Marty? Wiggy Wiggy. The 25th century. Thank you for joining us, Twiggy. Um, My pleasure, Marty. <laughs> Wiggy Wiggy. Um, yes. The uh, voiced by the inimitable Mel Blanc, if I'm not mistaken. Mel Blanc. <laughs> Blanc. Um, hey, it's Bill, everybody. Bill Watterson is nooners. back from his whirlwind journey. We will hear all about it. Fuck uh, the East Coast. Oh, well, uh, you went on many coasts. We'll, uh, Fuck like, them all. Like I said, we'll hear all about it. <laughs> Dan, um, unfortunately, had uh, a, a funeral to go to today. Um, from uh, Well, I mean, no one in his family, but he was unable to make it today. Um, and uh, Emily's car is uh, having a funeral moment, uh-huh. and it is busted, so she was unable to join busted. us today. Um, and then Kruger, at the last minute, just said, not coming in. So There that, you go. There you go. That's how much respect he has for I all know. of you nooners. Yes, but that is the format, though. <laughs> it's like, it's like the, a crap shoot with uh, Emily and Kruger. Um, but anyhow, we're glad that you guys could join us. You can join in on the conversation at uh, Nooner Dan Marty on the Twitter, or you can email us. We've got a ton of email, but we uh, ha- always have room for more at NoonerPodcast at gmail.com. Is the mail sack uh, bursting forth? Oh, yes. It is, it is um, turgid. <laughs> uh, Excellent. Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, the Tumblr is maintained by Tyson and Darren. You've and seen um, Dr. Strange Love, yeah? Oh, uh, you know what? I've never seen it. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, well, it's all it's all um, sexual metaphor, and the American general is Buck Turgidson. Oh, that's a, Turgid is just a great word. It's fantastic. It just word, sounds yeah. like what it, it's onomatopoeic. Um, you got to see that movie. Okay, I will. Sterling Hayden, all about the uh, the, the, the protection of precious bodily fluids. The whole thing. It's just mm-hmm. a big, it's a big dick joke. The whole okay. movie. All right. Uh, noted. Um, the the Tumblr page is tuesdaysmornings.tumblr.com. I'll bet if you go there right now, there will be a link to Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> um, Sexual metaphors in Dr. Strangelove. Some, some, someone wrote that for their senior thesis. Uh, yesterday, 21 children from uh, Central America. And quickly. We're deported. That quickly. We're in the back to, this It's always like I never that. left. It, yes, because the format is the format. They were t- deported. No, I was on time. Back to, well, relatively. Uh, was de- they were deported <laughs> back to Honduras. And um, uh, that was the first um, deportation uh, big event that has happened since this whole immigration crisis has come in, into the forefront. And basically, it comes down to 54,000 children have been caught on the border from the eight months before the middle of June. So it's a lot it's, of children. Yeah, it's like twice as many uh, as the year previous. Haven't foreigners ever heard of condoms? Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Well, most of them are from Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. And, and many of them are just turning themselves into... Los condomos. Um, turning themselves over to border agents as soon as they cross, hoping, you know, and, and these are... Uh, and these kids are are just being detained and they're awaiting processing and, and some of them are with their mothers. Um, and then there are a bunch of kids who've made it through and we don't know the numbers there. So 
Um, but we it's have a huge... 12. 12. They're 12. So it's 54,012. 12, yeah. Um, uh, we have a huge border with Mexico. It's very, very difficult to secure. But, that, of course, this doesn't mean that it's all Obama's fault. And that's sure what's been portrayed in the news. And, of course, it's a more, much more complex uh, thing than that. But And the, the truth is he's deported more people uh, than George Bush did in his... Uh, presidency wow. yeah this he's, he's but deported you, over you two million win. people no you, you cannot win. win and you deport one person and the, the liberals uh think you've turned your back on them right you, you right. deport a million and it's not enough for the conservatives you can't and win. you know historically uh we didn't have until 1882 we did not have any immigration laws anybody who wanted to come here could come here really yeah and then it was you just couldn't get naturalized would, do you know what the inciting incident was that yes led? i do excellent it See, was, history is way better than politics. Yeah, yes, even was, political history. It was the uh, the influx of Chinese immigrants. Ah, and so, so it's all your people's fault. Our people's fault. What we were the first victims of xenophobia. <laughs> uh, You're welcome. Yeah. So it's my, good to be first, man. My great great grandmother or my great grandmother was uh, detained in, at Angel Island for under these laws. So she was the Balkan powder keg of uh, immigration reform. Um, I guess so. Yeah, and. Uh, she was the Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. So after they built the railroad, there were there were all these Chinese immigrants coming here, and they they were accused of stealing jobs and well, uh, the, all those railroad jobs they took from all us well, working no, they, white no, folks. Nobody wanted to do that. <laughs> I know, I know. But but after it got made, then um, then there are all these immigrants that were here, and then they were all so these... so the Chinese immigrants right. and they built were... the railroad so they could sneak in all the other immigrants, right? And all the Chinatowns so poking holes in our dam, exactly. And American politics are the little Dutch boys sticking their fingers with, and laws so you know how they responded. The... They would burn down Chinatowns routinely, like the San Jose Chinatown was burned down twice um, by. Citizens? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like by citizens. Full scale citizens arrest. Uh, yeah, or it's more of a lynching, I guess. But I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like by political order. It was no, no, no mob no. rule. It was mob rule. Yeah, probably incited by political leaders. But well, who? Yeah, uh, who? Backdoor who, dealings. Yeah, so that that's where we got our immigration laws. But up until then, you know, and of course, during that same time, white people. It was a fine for them to come across the borders. Well, yeah, we do everything right. Oh yeah, so. absolutely. We, um, I mean, we make the best art, and we make the best so laws. Obama has said that he intends to, to deport these children, and he's asked Congress for emergency funding uh, to fund, you know, housing, transportation, security, and expansion of immigration courts. And um, but then again, this is an opportunity for Republicans in Congress to to criticize the president, saying he's not do, doing his job, and that, and then putting strings on the money that they want, you know, to push their own. Um, agendas and but the real question should be is why are these kids coming over why are there twice the number of central american kids than there were last year and it's it's you know you get all these protesters saying frozen go, yogurt go back you know you know and we finally it's heard like, about frozen yogurt xenophobic. we do it so much better than anybody else um there are you know these xenophobic slurs you know go back and um like and even like someone said uh like Jesus didn't break the law, so like it's Ugh. basically saying that it's the Christian thing to do to turn them back. Is that is that how? It, and by the way, we all know that Jesus, of course, famously broke the laws. You know, uh, wrote his own laws. Did yes, whatever the fuck he wanted. Exactly. Uh, Total rebel. And so it's so easy to just dis dismiss this influx as like, oh, it's just more brown people coming to steal our jobs. And 
but it's much more desperate about it uh, than that. I mean, think about what it means for these parents to send like their their ten year old child a thousand miles away from them, going through Mexico, you know, evading police and predators and gangs and border guards and trusting these coyotes to take them over. And I was waiting for you to say coyote. Coyote. Nice. Yeah, that's the the word of the day, everybody. Um, it's also a, a, a pretty interesting uh, villain in Mark Wade's run on Daredevil. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so this whole immigration influx is about survival, okay? Because these gangs uh, have infiltra- infiltrated the cities of El Salvador, and Honduras particularly is, is in a bad state right now. They, Honduras has the highest murder rate in the world right now. Mm. Um, Are these gangs producing good hip-hop like our gangs? Well, it's interesting. These gangs, um, they came from, started in Los Angeles, of all places. Like, and, really? Yeah, from Central American immigrants here, started the gangs, and then would go back there. Uh, and So if we did a better job of policing our own streets, we wouldn't have to be dealing with all well, these but they're now, child immigrants. There are tens of thousands of these gang members in, in these countries that have more influence than the, the government's. And they're involved in drugs and human, human trafficking, theft, fraud, hip-hop? all the usual gang activities. But hip hop, um, yeah, good, no, there's hip-hop? there's they have the the whole musical subculture that okay. is involved in that. Yes, yeah, so that's a different silver lining. Always looking for the silver lining, guys. Yeah. Um, but the difference is these guys are completely ruthless. They, you know, if you don't pay their extortion fees, they don't break your thumbs. They will slit your, your throat. throat. Right. Yeah. You did. And. They and they're very public about it. They will chop up bodies and put them on display, and and they heavily recruit children. Like they want them younger the better, so they they can indoctrinate them. That's into the this. grossest thing about gangs and paramilitary groups, and, right? Right, and because religious the, fanatics. The, it's the grossest thing when they're when children you, are if forming. You're taking, yeah, if you're taking fully formed adults and saying, "Here's what we think. Do you agree?" Right, but you're just brainwashing Fair these enough. kids. But yeah, but taking and, children and taking and their entire that, lives away from and them, this their is ability how, to make decisions. It, it's how it's done. Up. Is like how life is. You chop up your enemy, right. and you you put it on their doorstep. You know, right. and so these kids are growing up like that. And, and it's not for the, they're, they're not doing it because they think it's what the child needs. They're not doing it for oh, the betterment not. of the child. They're just doing it to maintain a stranglehold on power. And it, it, the body count, in terms of innocent souls, means so nothing to them. If you don't join these um, gangs as a child, if you're recruited and you don't do it, uh, join the gangs, they, many will, children will be killed. Right. So hundreds of, of, of ki- kids in Honduras were killed. Uh, you know, I think over a thousand last year were killed. For well, it's um, a thousand less that we got to deal with at the border. Am uh, I right? Am I right, Mister Sensitive? That would be directed to at Bill Twatterson <laughs> for. Um, That's Twitter sensor. <laughs> See, he corrected. Uh, actually, no, it's Twatterson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Um, so. If you're living in these countries and you have money, then you have big security outside your, your buildings and you they're armed bodyguards, you know, they're like 60,000 bodyguards. Hot chicks. Um, they, they, they don't protect you from gangs. No, but you have them. Oh, well, if you have money, yeah. yeah. But then you need extra extra bodyguards. No, hot chicks are dispensable. <laughs> Disposable. That's at Bill Tweederson. That one I'll take. <laughs> <laughs> so the, if you don't have money, the alternative is to leave. Um, that's like if you want to date children. an ugly chick. No, no, or die. Right. In the arms of an ugly chick. We're talking about children. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Bill, what is the matter with you? Hey, this is the longest I've let you go on a a political rant in a long time. No, you haven't let me go on at all. It's been at least a month since I let you go on this far. Oh, God. Uh, So. um, Because I haven't been here in a month. Right. 
so it's like, who can blame these children for coming here? And most of them are coming here to, to, to meet, reunite with other relatives. Um, and, and meet hotter chicks. Yeah. And, 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 and you're right. Meet it's hotter the, chicks. It's and, the only smart thing to do. Well, not right. the only smart thing to do, because survival is obviously smart, but it's the only honorable thing. Or to practical do. thing, yeah. Right. And so they, you know, their relatives are living here in the U.S. without this looming death around them. Right. And then... And, who, so who can blame them? And, and to remind you that on the bottom of the Statue of Liberty, it says, give us your, mm-hmm. uh, your, uh, your poor, your huddled, your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe Man, free. The Republicans are so pissed off that we let the French give us that thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or at least that, you know, we'll take the statue, but let's not, let's not put a quote on it because we may have to live up to that. So this, the question is, what do we do with these children? And they shouldn't be, they're not just like, Mexican or Canadian immigrants who are going across the border for uh, I think for we work. should give them all Nickelodeon shows. Oh, maybe we should just send them to Canada. Um, but, you know, so we have to deal this in sort of two stages, the immediate and the long term. For the immediate thing, that I think that's what Obama is addressing right now with, um, with the appropriations, emergency appropriations bill that he's trying to push through. But we, for the immediate thing, we shouldn't shit a brick. 54,000 undocumented children isn't going they're not going to rape our daughters and steal our jobs these are people just looking to survive yeah i mean these Lebanon, are the ones who chose not raping right and, and not murdering four thousand people is not a lot for a country of, of 320 that's million a town yeah it's a town give them a town they can have a town sure. i mean lebanon right Set now up a little honduras tiny lebanon is housing over a million syrian refugees right now so Jeez. that's that's what they have a problem uh, so I think we're, we can handle this. This is not a big deal. We can process them. But also, I think we should determine whether they should be treated as refugees, right? Because, um, you know, we've dealt with uh, refugees from Vietnam and from African nations, and, uh, and, the, and we've taken them in. world didn't explode. But I think it's just because, I think it's a race thing, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, we, we're dealing with that immigration issue right now. Um, that people are really, really reactive to. Um, and then the other thing is we need to, and this is one of the central points, is we need to find out what the root of the problem is, like the gangs are. Right. You know? and, and especially if that's starting here, and that's something we actually have a yeah. legitimate I mean, it started like 15, 20 years ago um, here, but it has moved out there. And, and I don't think we should necessarily just throw money to the Central American governments because, you know, how, how well did that work in Iraq? Just mm-hmm. giving a weak government tons of money doesn't really help it. But um, one thing we could do is because... Give us tons of money and let us solve it on the air. <laughs> right. No, I You, the nooners. No, well, the gangs make most of their money from drugs. So you could legalize drugs mm-hmm. and... You know, we've talked about that before. You know, you control it. You, you steer the money away from the drug lords and you legitimize it. You tax it and you, it makes it safer for people using it and it frees up our jails. And now we find, you know, it could help benefit uh, these, you know, hurt gangs in Central America and prevent um, this massive flow of children here. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, give us the money. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, by the way, we got a bunch of people who just tweeted in and I've ignored them. Um, yes, Jadlin, um, who told us that we were on there first. Um, yes. W- thank you, by the way, Will Wilkins, as always, for getting us Will on, Wilkins. The air, on the air. And then Darren and Aldo and um, Frank Martinez and uh, PDG and 
someone named Bill Watterson and uh, Lou and Tiny Mermaid. Um, yes. So um, tell us where you were for the past three weeks. Uh, are you speaking to the listeners or are you speaking to me? Hmm. By the way, I do want to thank everybody for um, just for last week when I went solo. People were very, I very kind. I can't believe that. I think that's, a, I think that's it was, a positively triumphant. The hardest thing, it was a little shorter show, but it was just coordinating all the technical elements while trying to talk at the same time. And then how, many, uh, how much did you prepare and how much did you just say, well, I'm going to wing it? Um, I'm just going to say... Uh, Follow-up question. Which is actually a pre prequel question. Mm-hmm. How soon before going on the air did you know it would be just you? Oh well, w- Steve was here for f- literally three minutes, mm. and and his um, uh, Lance Mountain locked herself out of the house, so he had to leave. Uh-huh. So at that point, it was uh, a bit of a wing, and but people sent in emails, asked good questions. So well, good for you for yeah. uh, taking one for the team and sticking through it. Yeah, uh, where the fuck were you? Um, Cyprus, I think at that time, possibly the United Kingdom. Uh, but I started in Japan. Oh yeah. Those three totally make sense. <laughs> I went around the world. Um, did you, was this your bucket wish list? No, this was just a couple things that came up that the timing made, it didn't make any sense to come back home between them. There was a destination wedding in, in Cyprus, the Cypriot. Ooh, gal, so romantic. Who's a, a friend of my lady's. And then my lady had a work conference in Yokohama. And they were close enough together that if I were to join her in Japan at the end of the conference so that we could travel together, it didn't make any sense to come home and then go to Cyprus. So we, uh, we did almost two weeks in Japan, uh, layover in Abu Dhabi, the world's coldest airport, and uh, then flew into Cyprus. And then to break up the flight home from Cyprus, uh, spent a night in the UK. It was three 11-hour flights in three weeks. That sounds brutal. How's your literally s- around the world? How's your sleep now? You know, I'm sleeping the proper hours, but I feel completely out of it. Like I'm I'm going to bed between nine thirty and midnight every night, and I'm getting up between six and eight every morning. But I I just feel completely out of it. Like I keep going to places that are familiar, and they have. I go to my morning coffee shop, I come here, and I get in the car and drive to an audition, and every time it's, it's like this surreal dream state. I'm right. Like, this is kind of familiar. Right, right. Um, and my instinct is, my instincts are all off. Like, I'm ready to jump on a train to go get somewhere, and I'm like, oh, no, shit, I got to drive. Oh, fine, traffic. And I was driving on the left side of the road in Cyprus and uh, walking on the left side of the road in Japan, so I'm like constantly bumping into people on the sidewalk because my instincts are to go left instead of right. Wait, oh... Cyprus is a left-hand place? It is. How crazy. Or at least the Greek Cypriot half. I did not go to the Turkish Cypriot half. Does it half. switch to the other side? I, I don't know. I didn't, uh, that would they be don't get along. They don't agree awesome. on anything right. else, so right. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and, yeah, and so in Japan's left-hand drive, and, and so is uh, England. Wow. Yeah, so crossing the street, everything. My instincts are so off. Like I go into a shop to buy something, and I feel like I have to point. Uh, I went out to dinner last night, and I was looking for a menu that had pictures. And I was like, oh, wait, no. Everybody speaks English here, and I can, I can do this. I can do this. Um, hold on just a second. Are we uh, down? Yeah, we are, we are down right now. Let me just, We're down. Uh, We're down, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, where pod was down. The, pod down. What, was, uh, what did they speak in, in Cyprus? Greek? Uh, we were in the, yeah, this Greek Cypriot um, portion of the country. And I, it's Greek. I don't think it's exactly the same as mainland Greek. 
I wouldn't know because I don't know what either of them sound like. Although um, I did study ancient Homeric Greek in high school, which did not get me very far. Um, did uh, you mentioned going to the uh, that you were planning to go to the Japanese Alps? Uh, yes. How how awesome. is that? I don't, what are the Japanese awesome. Alps? Is that where like um, where the the uh, Nagano or is, is that where? Yeah, Nagano. Um, there was a just kind of a mountain range in the middle of the uh, uh, in the middle of the country, and we went to two small mountain towns, Takayama and Sumago. It's sort of valley valley town. You know, the mountains are around you, and and there's fog and mist and it was the rainy season and we stayed in what are called ryokens which are traditional Japanese inns where you sleep on a, a small mattress on the floor like a futon mattress on the uh-huh. floor and they provide breakfast and dinner and it's a like a pre-fee haute cuisine dinner um, so you don't have to think about anything as soon as you get in you take off all your clothes and put on a kimono there's hot baths um, everyone's fantastic dressed in traditional and you're work, walking around in sandals. It was just that is amazing. Except for except for constantly hitting my head. Everything else was yeah. just great. Tall gaijin. Um, yeah, literally the the door to our hotel came was below my shoulders. Um, it was like the sliding rice door, and it was below my shoulders. That is, I had that to is fold in short. half to get in into the hotel. But it was perfect, and we were eating grasshoppers and fish heads and grasshoppers and fish heads. Yeah, and like uh, gooey stuff that I didn't I didn't know what it was, and pickled rubbery things. And no one spoke English, so there was no point in asking. So we just was it expensive? I thought it was reasonable. I don't remember the prices now because we booked everything well ahead of time. But I never felt the only time I felt like I'd gotten kicked in the gut when I got the bill was when I bought um, the Japanese FIFA World Cup jersey in the airport. How (laughs) much? I'm so scared to ask how much that was. Well, it's interesting. I had seen them around, and they had this like this pink. You, you probably, if you were following World Cup at all, you saw might have seen them. They had a pink sort of paint swath on the back that I thought was a little too late eighties. So mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, eh, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother." But I wanted something, and I and my girl was shopping in Japan and just finding all this amazing stuff, and I kind of couldn't find anything. Like I found a pair of underwear with a smiley pants on the butt, a smiley face on the butt. That was cool. <laughs> Um, it sounds so cool. <laughs> and uh, like, check it out. It's like my bud is smiling at you. Yeah. So when I moon you, it's like, hey, you. Uh, well, actually, he's smiling. I can't get mad. Um, <laughs> and I found a T-shirt with this logo that I really so liked. Cool. That was on all the. Uh, there's vending machines everywhere, and everything is in, in a vending machine, and they're everywhere. And I, there was a logo that I really liked because they have all these uh, cold coffee, uh, cold coffee drinks. So it's like Coffee Boss, and this is cool design i was like oh i really love that on a t-shirt and finally saw it on second to last day in kyoto and it's printed on the back with nothing on the front like it looks like it was just a, a mistake like right it's supposed to be on the front but it was printed on the back so like, oh fuck that was the only thing i found in all of the shopping that was the only you know and she's cleaning up left and right i think i got this one t-shirt that's a misprint so then in the airport i was like all right i'll do it i'll pull the trigger and uh, i can't believe how long the story is taking it I, I thought i saw that it was 34 euro which would be about like 48 bucks or something mm-hmm. like that, maybe 50. Um, so I was like, oh, well, that's totally reasonable. And I went up and it was 80 euro when I got to the counter. And I was so sort of tired and exhausted and there was a huge language barrier. And I kind of wanted it anyway, but not that badly that I just sort of went, ah, you win this time, Japan. <laughs> um, so I paid like over 100, almost 100 bucks, if not more, more than 100 bucks actually. I feel um, like an idiot. It's a t-shirt right. of a team that lost. Badly, but I, I have to say, it is you know it's the the full 
um, Adidas professional quality. I mean, it's the actual jersey. And they were playing in the World Cup when I was in Japan. It's something I'll always remember. Um, and you- it makes my pecs look ripped. So it's kind of a win-win all around. I fed the Japanese economy. Girls uh, will like me more. Japanese girls will like you more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, we are working on the stream right now. Uh, did you watch all the games or did you watch any I of the games? I saw very little. Um, I, follow, way, I was following. Congratulations, Michael Benhock and uh, all our German listeners. I think ah, he yes. might be the only one. Um, but uh, that was a spectacular, spectacular goal. It was a gorgeous goal. And he was a sub. He was a yeah. late, yeah. late sub, like 88 minute sub. Yep. One touch. Oh, just, just beautiful. Yeah. And actually, I was sitting. <laughs> I'm so mournful for. Uh, these countries that I visited that I went to the Cyprus is just about sitting on the beach and swimming in warm crystal clear water um, mm-hmm. and drinking great summer beer. Uh, so I went to the beach on Sunday, went swimming and then afterwards went to get sushi in this Japanese place so I could practice my hellos and thank yous. Uh, basically just trying to relive all of the trip in one day in Cyprus. No, this was, oh. yes, this was yesterday, oh, yesterday. <laughs> or the oh. day before yesterday. Um, Ironically, got a sunburn one day in Manhattan Beach and didn't get burned in seven days in Cyprus in 110 degree weather. The but sun is is gentler there. It didn't feel like it's it. just cuddling you. God, I felt like I was melting. But uh, we went into this Japanese place and it was the second overtime of the World Cup, of the World Cup final was on the TV. So I hmm. basically sat down, had gorgeous fresh sushi. The guy scored a goal, and then you we got up. our bill and we took off. Nice, it's perfect. But the, I, I saw the first half of the opening match. Um, a friend of mine does a, a soccer podcast uh, that's like half in Spanish, half in English. Oh, that's and then cool. um, then I got a, a chance to see the very final goal, and it, it was a beauty. And congratulations to all my German friends and all the people in the town of Yever. Um, yay. How do you say congratulations in German? I don't know, but I have a German lesson tomorrow, so I'm going to find out. You're having a German lesson? I have a German lesson tomorrow. Wow. You know, I have a, there's a, a lady around the corner who has a little German preschool. You could probably <laughs> sit in there. Sit, uh, sit in one of those tiny chairs. Be like Adam Sandler in, uh, yeah. what was the last decent movie he did? Um, the people I, who can't listen right now are freaking out. Uh, uh, um, Would be freaking out if they could listen. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the the one. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the the was it Paul Thomas Anderson? Is that who did it? Bradley Whitford plays the one of the bad guys, and where he travels, where he collects the. No, he had to he had to like graduate high school to get oh, his father's fortune. Billy Madison. Yeah. Oh, jeez, that was the last good one. Yeah, that was. So you're saying that was a good one? I enjoyed Billy Madison. Okay. The right. clown who fell over and died, and the the chicken. It was hot. Oh no no go through all the the sight gags please. That's all I remember. Okay. Um, but all the other ones sucked. Happy Gilmore wasn't that good. It was all right. <laughs> wasn't that good? I was. Waterboy uh, I thought was you were talking about Punch Drunk Love, and um, that's not that's not what I mean when I say an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, yeah, because he's only the star of that movie. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know. You. An Adam Sandler movie is the. You guys an annoying voice, and and uh, do more than annoying the fat guy who died on coke is in has a cameo, and uh-huh. who's that guy? The SNL guy, John Belushi, Farley, Christopher Farley. Yes, Christopher Farley is how he's referred to. <laughs> All right, let's get back into the sports because I think you'll have more authority on that. Uh, LeBron is returning to. I'm coming home, he says. And how do you feel about Believe that? Land? 
this is actually interesting. Um, obviously, anybody who cares at all about sports would would be should be excited to have the greatest athlete in that sport play for their team. Period. Mm-hmm. So you can you can be as bitter as you want about the decision, and I was for a long time. It was painful. But uh, he's the greatest player in the game, so to have him on your team is spectacular. To have him be from that town and come home and express it as such is moving. Uh, I actually choked up when I heard the decision live on ESPN Radio uh, in 2010. It was very painful. It was a big kick in the dick. I think I, I, think I talked about on the show before how how great it was to drive around Los Angeles and see billboards with LeBron James with Cleveland written across his chest when I was homesick and struggling and trying to find my way in a new place. That was super uplifting. And then to have that taken away and to have obviously the team spiraled uh, into mediocrity and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and to have it be so public and so embarrassing and to have to, to once again have my city be the butt of everyone's jokes when we'd come so far. Mm-hmm. It was really frustrating, and it was very painful. Because it was the one chance for Cleveland to distinguish itself sports-wise. Right. I mean, we had been in the national, we had been in the international media in a positive light, and that was that was new to me. I'm, I'm used to us always being the butt of a joke, so it was super frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a sports fan, you're not going to win as much, mm-hmm. uh, and that sucks too. It's fun when your team wins. It just is. It's fun for the city. It's fun for the fans right. to win. Uh, so it was really painful. I rooted against the Heat. I was glad when the Mavericks uh, beat them in their first year. I didn't want it to be that easy for them. Right. And then it got the pain got less and less. I did read articles about the Heat and LeBron. My one of the best beat reporters from the Cleveland Plain Dealer followed LeBron to the Heat. Brian Windhorst. Actually, I just heard him interviewed this in, this morning on Colin Cowherd, uh, and he's a great writer, very insightful. Um, and then I I was surprised. I started following. All of the constant news reports about the possibility of LeBron returning to Cleveland and constantly refreshing ESPN.com and seeing what the news was. And I didn't expect myself to get sucked into it. And it felt like, well, we're just setting ourselves up for another giant public embarrassment when he rejects us again. And why would he want to come back? He's winning titles. He's teamed up with some of the greatest players. Sure. Why would he come back? And then when it actually happened... And Friday morning, I was blown away. I, I what was once his again, um, well, he he wrote a letter, or well, his team released a letter. Anyway, not to be cynical, but he, there's a letter published in Sports Illustrated attributed to LeBron James explaining everything, and he it was basically the 180 degree reverse of the decision. He didn't drag it out. He didn't do this big public self important display as as Brian Windhorst pointed out. It's as humble as you can be to self-publish a letter in Sports Illustrated, but it's relatively humble. Um, And he spoke very directly about how important it is for him to be in Northeast Ohio, for people to to inspire people to want to come back to Northeast Ohio and start businesses and, and flourish, and for kids in Northeast Ohio to realize that this is a great place to grow up. Oh, that's he, good. It was incredible. He, he has kids. He's got... Yeah, he got you know, married, and he wants to raise his family there. He's got a bunch of kids, right? He's, he's got, got like three. three. Yeah, third on the way. For a guy in his 20s, that's a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, um, and he wants to raise them in his hometown. And, and he mentioned something about how he doesn't expect to win right away, but it's extremely important that Cleveland see a championship, mm-hmm. which is true. I mean, it's the last championship 
sports championship to come to the city was in the 60s, I think 64, and it was the Cleveland Browns, but it was before it was called the Super Bowl. So we've technically never won a Super Bowl. We've never won an NBA title, and we haven't won the World Series since, I think, the 40s. Um, so he hit, he hit on everything that mattered to everyone from the area. I don't know how much it registered on the national scale, but everyone from the area heard everything they needed to hear. Well, I'm so glad that Cleveland finally has something. See, so I'm no, no, I'm really happy naive. for you. I'm really That's happy naive. for you. Uh, but back to comic book news. You mentioned Cleveland comic would books have earlier. Been, Cleveland does so, not live. Or, um, Cleveland does not live or, by, or die by LeBron James. Uh, well, Cleveland was a great city before LeBron. It'll be a great city after LeBron. If you could see the tears that are pouring down Bill's cheeks right now as he's talking about this, you would beg to differ. But you know, to put uh, a man on the street level, you know, it was the best part. I talked to my brother that morning, who's a local business owner, mm-hmm. and he said at the beginning of the day, uh, it was quiet at the bar. <laughs> this letter comes out, there's this announcement, and he was running errands. He came back to the bar, the place was packed, people were drinking, everyone was in a good mood, and he's like, this is going to be great for my business. People are going to want to watch the game. LeBron James makes you want to drink. There you, there you got it, okay? Excellent. So back on to uh, comic books. Um, people are going to be in a good mood, they're going to want to watch the games, lately? there's going to be a lot to celebrate. And that's you know, great for some every business huge owner. Huge news in the comic book world, and I'm not it's just news. talking about the Shadow Hero, the the comic book about the first uh, Chinese American superhero. Send in, him home before he opens a no, floodgate no. of immigration. Chinese American. He's a, he's American. Mm, so it's too late, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Uh, back in 1944, they there is a a, a, a a superhero called the Green Turtle, who is basically look looks like a a wrestler. He's got a green cape, shirtless, and he's got one of those sort of wrestling masks on. A luchador mask? Uh, yeah. Bas- well, basically, yeah. And then uh, back in the forties, he he did. Uh, he would beat up Japanese people, <laughs> like yeah. like he was sort of like a World War Two hero. But um, and then these these two guys they uh, they um, rebooted the character, um, and it's called the Shadow Hero. That's not the biggest news. In the comic book world, um, the biggest news I think is that uh, Archie's getting killed off. Yeah, which is so strange. I didn't think Archie Comics dealt with things like death. Um, yeah, I thought they were just about high school and milkshakes. Well, you know, they they did have a gay wedding. That I knew. Yeah. Um, but what I, what what do you accomplish by killing off Archie? Uh, well, they said that they were making a statement uh, or about um, gun violence. Wow. Yeah. I mean, cause, so I guess Archie is sort of political. Um, I mean, I imagine it's just run by a bunch of very, uh, a bunch of gay men. That's like, <laughs> I mean, that's a horrible stereotype, but that's just... Well, they draw Veronica real hot. Yeah. Yeah. So but, they know, they know their, they know their booties. Betty, not so much. Who gives a fuck about Betty? Oh well, we learned something about Bill just now. I think I think I might have gone public with my passion for Veronica very early on in the show. <laughs> I think I suppressed it from my memory, and now you just <laughs> churned it up again. And there's a little queasy. She's gorgeous. Oh jeez. Let yourself be free sexually, Marty. Mm-hmm. She's hot. Um. 
Yeah, you know. By the way, it's it's DJ Jam Master's birthday today. I was thinking about him all week. Yeah. Well, it's happy birthday, DJ. Happy James. birthday, Bill. I mean, you, James. <laughs> you are so dearly missed. I can't even especially begin to because tell we're you. not on the air, right? <laughs> um, you're you're especially missed. Uh, so, um, but I hope you're having a great day in Sacktown. Um, but. Yes, this is very frustrating that we're not on the air. I know that if is you it, were here, is it Marty's fault? Uh, it probably is, but I, you know, I mean, all the the machines are all doing what they're supposed to be doing. Hold on, just a second. Keep talking. Um, the things I miss about James. Yes, his laugh. Yes. I really miss his laughter. You know I what miss, I miss most? His technical expertise. That's something I miss desperately. I miss his quickness with a soundbite. Yes, and I like the way he used to bring up. Uh, beds when the conversation really got rolling. This nice little and it wasn't distracting. It was just this nice little bed. That, whenever there were bad jokes. Or was that a good joke? No, that was a bad joke. joke. We heard that one a lot. (laughs) We deserved that one. Um, And I also miss, he always had great insight, whether it was being something from his time in the military uh, something from his time in the comedy world. Um, he just he always had input. He always had an angle that was completely unlike ours, and yet at the same time we shared so much in common. Some of the some of the music, some of the love of comic books, right. some of the pop culture stuff. It was just this great intersection yep. of different worlds, and I, I I miss I miss him all the time. Well, we'll get him on. Um, I mean, I guess we could try calling him now. Do you want? Should we? Uh, that feels like something we should have planned, planned. ahead for. Right, we'll plan ahead for <laughs> Given how much trouble time. we're already having yeah, with what's, exactly. on, what's on um, our plate that we were planning. It. Um, so anyhow, uh, but back to Life with Archie. That's the comic book that he's, Archie's dying in. Ironic title. It, but it, it's, a, uh, it's in a different sort of time stream. Archie's older. Okay. And so they can still keep the younger Archie going. Oh, so they're not really yeah. sacrificing anything except there's yeah. one comic line. Yeah. So the yeah that that comic it's kind of cheap. Well, but they they already have that. Uh, maybe they had that comic book already going. I mean, they had um, it started out as a miniseries called uh, the Married Life, and it sort of um, it looked into you know what what Archie would be like as an adult, and it started out as a mini thing, and then it just got longer and longer. Um, and I, I guess he dies uh, protecting a gay friend, and oh wow, yeah. So there. I have not. By the way, I have not heard back from Will Wilkins, um, who's our only hope uh, in getting back on. Um, so, are, are you reading any comic books right now? By the way, I'm reading a ton. Actually, anything good that for you the want trip, to recommend? Uh, yeah, nothing current, super current. So, your lady friend knows that you read comic books. Not an issue. Not an issue. Nice. Does um, she read them? Does she? No. 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 Couldn't give a fuck. Although we really enjoyed season one of Orphan Black together. Mm. So you got to give her some credit. Right. Uh, for the trip, I knew there'd be a ton of downtime. So I downloaded the Marvel Unlimited app and have been reading a ton on the iPad. And yeah. at first, I did. I, it was so overwhelming because there's so much on there mm-hmm. that I did kind of what everyone does when they're overwhelmed. And I just downloaded all the comic books that I already owned. Right. <laughs> I don't I mean I don't have my collection on here, so it's not like stuff that I'd read. And obviously there were a lot of holes in my collection, but I I remember loving Frank Miller's 
early run on Daredevil. Mm-hmm. So I, Bullseye? And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bullseye, Kingpin, Punisher's in yeah, there, Electra. So great. Pretty iconic. So I, I, I started there uh, and read a ton of that uh, from when he was just drawing it to when he started taking over. And it's interesting to watch the progression because it, it wasn't that great. His art was. His art right. was better than I remember. And I, I think the older art in general, maybe just because it's what I came up with, but I like it a lot more than the super busy, super airbrushed, almost anime mm-hmm. style, mm-hmm. Uh, cluttered Yeah, it has a, gr- a grittier feel to it. I love the grittier feel. I like the simplicity. It's a lot easier to follow. It's, it's, it's sharper storytelling for me from a visual standpoint. I just, right. I, I love it. And Frank Miller in particular does a great job with fight scenes. Um, the great, the, that great fight scene in the Wolverine limited series he did with Chris Claremont mm-hmm. that I also downloaded and read. And that was kind of cool because a lot of it took place in Japan. So all these references right, that right. went over my head as a kid, like the Shinkansen and, and the Zen rock gardens, all this stuff that, you know, I really just was waiting for the fight scene right, when right. I was a kid. And this time I was, I was t- kind of taking it all in. And even some of the like, some of the Japanese expressions I recognized because they wrote them in, in Japanese. And how did you like re- uh, reading it on uh, the, the app? Because they put little bits of animation in there too, right? Uh, you, you, that's an option I haven't even tried. Oh, okay. most of because mostly I would download it so that I could read read them offline. You get twelve at a time that you can read offline because mm-hmm. I never knew when I would have internet access. Right. Um, so I was reading it on the train and on the plane and stuff like that. I don't. I don't mind it. There's there's a couple frustrations every once in a while. Something there's a glitch and there's like a panel with no dialogue and you're like, well, fuck. I can tell that somebody's supposed to be talking, but hopefully that's not too major a plot point because it's not there. Right. But um, I really appreciated the access. They look crystal clear. You can zoom really nicely if, if you start getting tired of reading smaller print. Right. Um, it's actually really impressive. And you just, you could just, fl- I mean, I went through like 30 Frank Miller Daredevils in a day or two, which, did you, you know, there's you no like holes. Yeah. I did feel like a kid. Um, and I also realized I fucking love Daredevil. Hmm. He is one of my favorite characters by far because I also got I, I had I'd had the first few issues of the Mark Wade run which we talked about briefly months ago when I was reading it and I got to read right up until the finale they don't actually have the finale on there which is frustrating but um I just love that character I love how he's constantly battling depression um he's having his life torn apart at all times but yeah. he's still sort of he's he's more quick-witted than Spider-Man and not in that like irritating like jokey joke haha way right he just right. like he's he's it's he's got true. a biting sense of right. humor that that whole kingpin thing uh storyline when kingpin tries to you know dismantle him mm-hmm. is great that's a and you can get that on trades too for like I I think I got it for like 2 bucks or something like that oh, but nice. it was so great to to relive that and feel like a kid. Um, speaking of feeling like a kid, do, are you a Weird Al fan at all? Of course. I saw him live at Toad's Place in New Haven. Did you really? Yeah, when he was doing the, it was the Smells Like Nirvana tour. And how was he? He was hysterical. He, he puts on a hell of a show. And Toad's Place is not a big venue. This is no, before, no, this is, yeah. Like before the Star Wars one that made that, where he started playing gigantic venues. This was a small club. Yeah. Um, and he did all the outfits. And in between breaks, song breaks, so that he could go change into like the fat outfit and the Cobain outfit and all that. <laughs> oh, you they can had do these that? Gra- yeah, totally. That's awesome. They had these great videos, like from his classic Al TV days, where he takes interviews with Springsteen and all these other guys and intercuts himself into the masking 
random questions. Mm-hmm. Hysterical. Just great stuff. And the band was insanely tight. I mean, you, get, you just got these shit hot uh, session guys. I don't know if Bermuda Schwartz was still in the band. But. <laughs> I can't believe you know these people. Uh, it's amazing. Well, you know, he's right in the, in the middle of... Um, uh, he's putting on for eight days every day a new music video from his new album. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's amazing how he's still so productive and also very funny. I mean, you know, I I remember listening to him on Dr. Demento and mm-hmm. uh another one rides the bus and you know, and th- that whole came about like he gave Dr. Demento a tape and Dr. Demento played it and it and it just hit. And it's just it was it was Mickey he did a or no Sher- my my Sharona no what, what it was do? another one right my the Bologna. bus oh I thought it was my Bologna. no and like and if you listen to it it's just like him and his accordion in like his bedroom you know mm-hmm. and it's uh it's fantastic and and it's amazing that he he parlayed that into this amazing career where he's had so many gold records and I mean and he's still as popular as he ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to hear a little bit of this new one? I do. Buddy, shut up. <laughs> so, oops. Well, I guess we won't hear that. Maybe it's my internet. My, ah. It could be my internet, but... Possibly it's the internet. Yeah. It's possible it's the internet. Um, man, yeah, maybe it's... Um, but anyhow, he. it's called... <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it's like... This is obviously for, if you heard that little cowbell, this is for uh, Blurred Lines. You know, he did... Uh, oh, I yeah. thought it was... He Didn't he do Happy as Tacky? Yeah, that was yesterday. But today, it's Word Crimes. So it, it's like, Word Crimes? That's a really... Oh, um, wow. Uh, is it like people who misuse... I don't know. Let's find out. Words? <laughs> Play a couple of seconds before they. If you can't write in the proper way, write yes, that's really excellent. <laughs> that is really funny. I commend him. All right, well, um, that's all I'm going to play because last time I had a little music on, we were censored uh, on the podcast. Um, really? Because we didn't have the right. Yeah, basically, if you upload something to the server and it detects a song in there, it won't post it live. Oh, got it. Yeah. What song just, were you trying to post? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was just playing in, in the bed. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Um, well, kudos to you, Weird Al. You're amazing, and he's on Comedy Bang Bang this week. Like he's still like hip, which is crazy. Yeah, which is awesome. I think. Um, damn it! I hope he has someone saying irregardless. Oh yeah, uh, one of my favorite word crimes. Um, you know what else I did read? Uh, two two that I really recommend. Um, particularly Marty. One I think you would enjoy. Uh, there's a a, a line called Marvels, where they basically retell the story of Marvel Comics through the eyes of a Daily Bugle photographer. It reminded me of the the journalists in Civil War. Civil War wasn't my favorite my, my favorite big crossover comic book event, but in the Civil War, the best the best line was the uh, the guys the the two journalists seeing it through their eyes. So it's similar to that. 
Um, but it retells all the early days of Marvel, even before it was Fantastic Four and all that, when it was just the Human Torch android. But through submariner. through a, uh, the a photographer, uh, yeah, a photographer journalist. Oh, that's eyes. that's a really cool right, Marvels, yeah. and it's I, it was perfect timing for me because I had just read three consecutive books on the early history of comic books. So I had read all about the decisions that you know Stanley and all these other guys had made in the earliest days when it was timely comics and all that mm-hmm. and and how they their comics were set in new york so there was actually a battle at the brooklyn bridge and that was such a big deal and then they have this photographer racing to the brooklyn bridge to, to photograph a battle between submariner and the human torch so they really they really did their research and brought it to life in a very tangible way and the art is very tactile and when you see when you finally do start seeing some of the modern Heroes, uh, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and all that. Like you see Spider-Man, and you see the folds of cloth in his costume. It just looks like something someone would oh, that's, wear. Yeah, right, 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 right. Very tangible. Um, and he, it's, it's, it goes beyond just sort of name-checking all of the major milestones and, and signposts along the way in the earliest days of Marvel. It also is very heady about the nature of heroes and how they make us feel about ourselves and that when they make us feel good about them ourselves and when they make us feel bad about ourselves in the ways in which we don't measure up to them and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, it was beautifully executed. Um, and there is a, a, a follow-up that I haven't started reading yet um, called The Marvel's Project. It's not by the same writer, so I, I don't know how hopeful I'm going to be, but it's it's the same character and you get invested in his family and in his kids and what his kids think about and there's an issue there's an issue where he that deals with the, the whole mutant storylines where he starts out basically bigoted towards mutants and then it turns out his and the photographer does yeah, yeah. and it turns he, he, those are the one aspects of the marvels that he doesn't like like the x-men he doesn't trust them he doesn't he doesn't like taking their photograph and all this stuff um and then it turns out his kids have been harboring a mutant girl who's being chased by a by a, a lynch mob, and it completely changes his. It forces him to reevaluate. It's it's brilliantly executed. Is there action? There is because he's he's photographing all of the biggest battles. Oh, I see. I mean, it's a lot wordier than 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 your average comic book, and it's not as. Action heavy, but he loses an eye photographing some huge battle. I can't. Well, remember that's which some one. good action. I could, I yeah. could handle a lost eye. <laughs> I hope it's nice and gory. And they're all, you know, the action are, is is all his perspective on major moments, major battles that already took place in the '60s in the original printed comic book. Like it, it did its history. Everything, everything that he is documenting is something that is documented out there in the in the history of comic books. It's really well written. Um. I uh, yeah, that I, I I have to check that out. Um, Very strong. I also enjoyed Neil Gaiman's sixteen oh two, although it felt like a cop out by the end of it. it. It it took all the Marvel, major Marvel characters and set them in Victorian. Was that Queen Victoria? No, sixteen oh two. Anyway, in England, but then it used this cheap device for why they're there and not in our time. And there's this space-time continuum, blah, 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 and the Watchers are involved, and the fate of the universe hangs in the... It's like, I, I actually just enjoyed this alternate reality. I could have just lived there. I didn't need an excuse for it. I didn't need mm-hmm. I didn't need it tied into our world and Captain America being sent back but losing his memory. Like, I don't need all that shit. Yeah, just yeah. tell me your story. It's yeah, great. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll go, on, I'll go along with it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Don't... don't sp- don't try to justify it too much. Exactly, there was no need to justify it. It felt it felt great. Like Daredevil was uh, this blind uh, minstrel who was always singing this song about 
the the Fantastic Four who'd been lost on some voyage. Just brave, great. brave Reed, Reed Richards. Exactly. exactly. He stretched all over me. It was exactly yeah, that. Yeah. It was hysterical. It was great. Nick Fury was like the Queen's personal spy. Doctor Strange was the Queen's physician. It was all set up beautifully, and it wasn't too heavy-handed, and it was fun discovering who everyone was and how their names were like changed slightly uh, and their backgrounds slightly. It was, it was really well set up. And then it, it turned out it was all about this interdimensional thing. And I call bullshit on the watchers. I don't, I'd, I'd never liked those characters mm-hmm. because their whole thing is that they're not allowed to interfere, but, but they, they only ever show up because they're interfering. Yeah. Like, well, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, do, do you ever, in the like in the eighties and seventies, they were like, well, you weren't really cognizant back then. But I was seven in the seventies. Um, there was in seventy nine. There was a book called Masquerade. I'm not sure if you um, uh, knew about that, but um, there it was uh, basically a bunch of sixteen paintings. It was a story, but behind the story, there was a all, all the paintings held clues of where these treasures where this one treasure was held and you know and it was really really difficult and there's all, all sorts of puzzles and uh things in it and uh and i'm looking it up that sounds really cool yeah it sold hundreds of thousands of copies and um it uh and people were just digging up everywhere and then uh and it was published in 79 and then in 82 some guy found it um and it's it was pretty uh, a pretty amazing thing. Everybody was. Um, Wait, what uh, you, was some some guy found what uh, the the hidden gold. Basically. Oh, he actually the the author actually hid something. Yeah, yeah, he actually hid a, a gold statue that was worth. Um, yeah, it was worth uh, oh, wow. thousands of dollars. I didn't and know so, that. yeah, and it, I mean, people. I, I remember, it, like, all my friends had a copy of that, and of course, we had no idea what the fuck the the puzzle was. But um, and then uh, in eighty two, well, that um, must have been a hell of a dense puzzle if it took that long for someone to solve it. Yeah, yeah, and um, but it worked. It worked on the level of a children's book as well. Like you could you could get involved without being. Um, yeah. Yeah, in and, over your head. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was just also the the paintings were really good. Right. They were painted by I think it was Kit um, Kit Williams. Kit Williams, yeah. And then in eighty two, uh, somebody tried to do a, a similar thing uh, with a, a book called The Secret, and it's not the the self help book. It was uh, Treasure Hunt, and there there were twelve paintings in it, and each one had a puzzle that would locate that corresponded with uh, a key. That was buried in a in a cask three feet deep. Wow! Somewhere in the world, and uh, only and and each key corresponded to a gem, like a, or a gemstone of sorts that uh, that was worth like a couple thousand dollars, uh, and only two of them were found. Wow! Yeah, and the crazy thing is, then the guy who who uh, did the book, uh, Brian Byron Prius Prius. He um he died in a oh no in a car crash uh and uh and also the the jewels were um his secrets died with him yeah and there, no one knows where the jewels were only two of the jewels were were um uh found so is that because the book sucks 
or else it, the puzzles were too hard. So now yeah. there's this online thing right now to try to uh, find, you know, to coordinate to find out where the other ten keys are. And that's really that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Some one something was done recently. Um, shoot, I can't. Um, where there was a uh, somebody also buried a gold thing, and it's amazing that like, and it was I think an online game. I I, I I'm trying to look it up right now. And don't people do like orienteering to? Yeah, like go to random the, things and, and the puzzles push were, a button or something. Yeah, and it was it, it was a really cool thing, and uh, it was I forget what the the prize was, but it was a gold thing that was hidden in the Hollywood Hills and someone's steps, and they had to count the right steps, and people That's came fun. close, but they were had the wrong puzzle, so they didn't get the right address in Hollywood. So I, <laughs> someone's probably like, "What the fuck are you doing in my house? Why are you digging?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's kind of like uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark when they didn't have the second half of the. The headpiece. Yeah. So they were they they were burying in the wrong place because their staff was too short. Yeah. No, their staff was too long because they didn't take back the inches for the uh, god whose arc you, this is or whatever. You end up with an eighteen-inch Stonehenge. Is that yeah? Same same sort of exactly. problem. Um, well, that, and well, that's those those mysteries are awesome. But it's no mystery that it's the top of the hour, and you're listening to the Smodco this morning show on the Smodcast Internet. Radio Network. Uh, wait. Uh, I said it so slowly. It. I said it so slowly. Damn it. G- I can't believe Hey, everybody. Right on cue. It is a mystery why it takes Marty so long to find a soundbite. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do what you do, Marty. Um, the hidden cache is, is also uh, it's a, a Twitter account. If you do hashtag, or I think it's at hidden cache, there's a guy, a real estate investor, who tweets out clues and hides with hundred uh, hides hundred dollars here and there, um, all throughout the the country, um, and tweets it out, and then people have to figure out. Um, oh, it, he'll just post post clues of locations of where he's hidden it. What does then, uh, how does he benefit? Oh, I think it's just fun for him, I guess. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't know if he if it's an ad thing. But um, it's very popular, and he and he'll hide, he'll post photos of of the like the containers that the cash is hidden in, or or the trees that he's posted and mm. you know, hung it from, and uh, and then just little clues and ah, it's pretty cool. Well, that's really cool. As long as people don't just like start, you know, you know, digging up people's yards. Like, no, I right. it, it matches my Twitter thing. You know, sorry guys. Oh, I wouldn't. I, here's here's a bit of self examination. That sounds really fun and really exciting and interesting, and yet I'm never going to get involved in that. <laughs> I'm not going to engage in that. I'm not going to look for the gems in the mystery book that is so cool. Uh, yeah, I think because also it's just not... I just figured that there are puzzle guys out there who like doing that thing like, and are doing it just to solve the puzzle, not because they want to get rich. I would mm-hmm. only do it to get rich. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, knowing that there's some guy who's better at doing puzzles at, than me, I'm just like, all right, you win. You win this one. Um, I'll buy a scratcher. <laughs> right. <laughs> My chances are better. Um, yeah. So uh, people are very forgiving on Twitter um, about our, our failed uh, failed internet adventure today. Um Hold on, I just wait. What are you What are you tweeting? Uh, I I was I was looking up something else. Um, 
Don't look at porn while but we do I this. Actually, see, I actually would enjoy the puzzle aspect, not the money aspect, although there's obviously a reward. One of the other things I downloaded for the trip was these games, free games called Can You Escape that are just little little puzzle games where you're, you're trapped in a room and you have to play a series of puzzles. One leads to the next to find the key to get out. Right. Um, nothing. They're not that difficult. No, they're not that difficult. But when you're super jet-lagged, <laughs> and you haven't challenged your brain in four or five years. Uh, it's better than a mindlessness of something like a Tetris or, or yeah. just reading comic books. So just I, I was glad to challenge myself a little bit. But um, I really enjoyed the puzzle aspects. It nice. was really satisfying. I like I like a good puzzle. Um, are you uh, making any? Are you doing post production on anything right now? Are you are you making movies right now? I shot two commercials right before I left. Um, That's nice. Yeah. Uh, there's a chance I may have lost one of them but uh, because I was out of town, but we'll see. Um, so hopefully at least one of those two will come what out. What was the other one? So I can have health insurance. Uh, it was a GE commercial. Nice. The Comcast they commercial. They good things to commercial. life. They brought good things to my life. Oh. Um, although it was a grueling shoot. Oh, I've never been... Well... What was I'm cool? not going to bitch about my employers. All right. All right. Uh, it was physically challenging, extremely hot with a rubber suit on that didn't breathe. You had a rubber suit on? And on a rubber suit, a hazmat suit. Oh, um, nice. And uh, we missed second meal, and they didn't feed the actors, and there was nowhere comfortable for us to sit, and there was no trailer or air conditioning. All right, shut so, up. It was tough. Yeah. <laughs> now, I did once where I was wearing a vinyl jacket, and it, it was see-through, and... Uh, in a commercial, and it would just. I, where is this commercial? Uh, well, I had uh, some. It was like a futuristic one, okay. and and it would just steam up because I mean, yeah. it would, and so before each take, the costume person had to come and like pat pat it down so the, all the condensation mm-hmm. come off. It was so gross. See, that's it, the other thing that none of the hair, makeup, wardrobe, or costume people helped us out. Um, so we were just covered in sweat with nothing to. We had no pockets, so there was nothing. I had, had nothing to wipe the sweat off my face and out of my eyes and. When I would bend down to take a break because we were standing up a lot, I could just feel hot air coming, coming out, out of your sleeves. Yeah, the, the sleeves, which were held tight with uh, <laughs> duct tape. Yeah, whatever they, what is it? Uh, elastic or something. Elastic, yeah. yeah. And I would bend down to, to give my legs a break and you just feel. But it is kind of fun to do a show, like something where you get to dress up and. Yeah. yeah I know. think the final product is going to be gorgeous. It's award winning, multi award winning commercial director. I think the, I'm going to be extremely. What is his name? I'd have to look it up. I would have been able to tell you a month mm. ago, but. Um, um, well, congratulations. That's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I kind of took myself out of the game by traveling. Um, so, but I was asking about actually if you were making cutting things in, in the because Cinefix, uh, which has a YouTube channel, they posted the ten their ten best editing moments Ooh. from a movie. I would like um, to see that. Yeah, and uh, so like they did like the end of Bonnie and Clyde. The first mm-hmm. one was the beginning of City of God, which is actually a fantastic. It is a fantastic film. I don't remember what was specific it's, about the beginning. Uh, they're just showing. Uh, how life, what life is like in Buenos Aires in the favelas, and it's just it's dynamic, and it's got these uh, these match cuts with uh, of activity, and then you s- the camera just it's just it's how it's a one on one of great directing and will editing. you will you tweet that out or email it to me or something? Um, yeah, or if, uh, I'll just, I just um, look it up. yeah. But what is it? Cinefix. Cinef- Cinefix. Cinefix. 
Yeah, and it's 10 best editing moments. Uh, then they had like the, the Godfather baptism montage. Do you remember that one? Yeah. yeah which is a great one. The opening of uh, Apocalypse Now. Um, Psycho. Psycho, of course, is a great scene because that's, it's that's it's film com- history 101 right where yeah and for those of you, every editing class in the history of the world sure study that and, and the reason why um it's so effective is because people just find it so violent yet there's no actual blood in there and until the well, end well there's but there's also there's you never see the knife hit the skin you never see the knife hit the skin you never see uh you know she's in the shower you don't see any nudity uh, and you don't see any blood until you see the blood going down the drain, and right. and you watch it, and it is so violent, and it's yeah. I mean it's a lot of the acting and just her reaction. Yeah, and, and your memory of it is a naked body and a knife tearing through flesh, and, and it's the, just not what happened. It's the, right. It's the threat of violence that is so great. So, oh God bless you, Hitchcock. Why didn't more people learn your lessons? And then there are the obvious ones, like they they mentioned, like the two thousand one Space Odyssey cut match cut from the flying this mm-hmm. the bone into the space thing. Um, and that's you know that's memorable. It's a, it's great imagery. I don't know if it's the best editing in the world. Um, and then uh, Lawrence of Arabia also has a similar match cut. Um, I haven't seen that one. Uh, there's a, been a couple opportunities to see. It's it a great movie. 70, 70, 70 millimeter. Yeah, seventy five yeah. millimeter. Seventy. Been a, it's screened from a seventy millimeter. Yeah, print. I saw the, I saw it on a seventy millimeter I print. I haven't done that. Um, I'm and not there's proud. A, there's a scene where he blows out a match, and then it cuts to the sunrise in the desert, and the glowing match, you know, the, the colors match. Mm. And, and it's a very evocative thing. But it, again, it's not necessarily great editing. So my question is, like, can you think of uh, great editing moments? I'll tell you, not to pander to the Nooners, but the Battle of Yavin in the original Star Wars, A New Hope, is supremely well edited. Which one's the battle of Yavin? That's the that's when he destroys the Death Star in the first one. Oh, that's extremely well edited. In and out of the of the cockpits, and uh, you know, seeing the it's just great war footage. Seeing the the details of the uh, I don't even know what you'd call it the shit in his ship, like the targeting devices and all this stuff. You're seeing all those little details of his dashboard or whatever, uh, cutting back to the people. Um, on on in the in the rebel base, following the battle, uh, right. you know, helplessly as, right. the, as the map changes, and just overhearing the communications and hearing people dying, and and then the, also the great special effects of the explosions. That's just and the sound incredible. editing is amazing. Yeah, too. Yeah, um, I was so thrilled that Abrams got the, that original sound guy. Oh, sound he designer. Did? Really? Yeah, I heard the original sound Oh, I designer. love seeing how they like came up with the... Because uh, sound was everything in those movies. Yeah, and just how they came up with just the blaster shot, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Hitting wires. And yeah, stuff. yeah. It's just great. Uh, Wasn't he out camping? And, it, and, he was in, in the, the desert, frame yeah. of his backpack. Oh, was it? I, 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 I'm vaguely remembering the story when I was a kid, but I think the frame of his backpack hit on something and was like... And he was like, oh, i got to remember that. Uh, that's awesome. Um and for me, it would be the final showdown at the... I can't even believe you remember the name of the battle. Um, I'm a nerd. Yeah. I'm extremely handsome, but I'm a nerd. You wouldn't think I'm a nerd for how handsome I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm even more handsome as I age. And the more world-traveled I become, the, the handsomer I become. Clearly. And yet still, I'm a nerd. 
It's amazing. I'm, go I'm, fuck yourself. I'm a total package. Get, go, f- <laughs> go put on your 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 peck defining like <laughs> Jap- Japanese, Japanese jersey. jersey and go fuck yourself. Uh, I my was out out for three weeks with a, a back injury or a rib injury. I cracked a rib. And, Ooh, I didn't realize it was yeah, that severe. Yeah, and uh, I just started running yesterday after being three weeks out, and it was so painful. <laughs> oh, it's just so hard. Uh, yeah, and the rib is still bothering me. But um, mm. And also, I've just been eating like a pig. <laughs> um, so I feel like a lump. Um, well, you're a handsome lump. Oh, stop. I need, I need to travel more. <laughs> I need to travel <laughs> like you. Uh, for me, it would be the final showdown at the end of The Road Warrior. Um, oh, God, what a great movie. Which it's like every... It's such a, a kinetic and violent... And it's all like all in-camera stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's all... Um, you know, just there are no special Which he's effects. committed in to in in his remake. He, he said minimal digital. That's okay. what he said. So um, I, that's actually one of the only remakes I'm, I've ever been excited about. Oh, I'm so excited. It's being, first of all, I love Tom Hardy. Second of all, it's being remade by the guy who made it. So yes. it's not some hack who's going to learn all the wrong lessons. Like make a movie called RoboCop without a sense of humor. Right. And and uh, and you know, if you see the original it's Road Warrior, RoboCop. The it is um it is so it's. It's it's so well orchestrated, and it's a very violent thing, and you just feel the danger while you're watching it. And uh, for this new one, basically, before he wrote a script, he just did hundreds and hundreds of storyboards, and that's what he sent to Charlize Theron to to get her to get on board. Minimal dialogue in the film. Yeah. I mean, the original Road Warrior has like maybe, you know, or Mel Gibson probably has like 10 lines of dialogue in the whole thing. Um, God, that's a good movie. It's so good. It it is the primer for how to make an action movie. Like mm-hmm. um, Arnold Schwarzenegger famously said that. I mean, Arnold uh, Sly Stallone famously said that the best role would be the for me would be the one with the fewest lines, which I think everyone <laughs> would agree with. Yeah, but it's also his point being that I'll, I, I, th- I think his point was that like the character is defined by his actions and mm-hmm. that is some of those great Eastwood Westerns. Absolutely. Yeah. You, the character doesn't even have a name. Uh, right. Absolutely. Uh, but you, if you see the road warrior, uh, or is it just road warrior? I think it's uh, the, the road warrior. It's, um, you should just watch it for how to direct, how to move the camera. The camera moves so well in that movie. He, uh, George, or well, camera movement is different than editing. though. we were talking about editing. Yeah. Right, right. Cause if we want to talk but, about know, camera movement, you have to talk about Casablanca, and you have to talk about double indemnity. Okay, well we, we, that'll be next week. Okay, um, but for like it's a it's how to make a, an action movie because uh, the camera never stops moving in Casablanca. Um, nor does it in in Road Warrior. Mm. Um, uh, so I think um, I I think you'd have to give Gravity a nod for some of the editing, although that's in-camera editing. Well, I think I I actually thought about that because I was thinking, what are these memorable sequences? And now, because of digital, uh, the way that you can stitch together Mm -hmm. shots into one lengthy thing, um, uh, what Alfonso Cuaron is famous for, like, I I still haven't seen Children of Men. Like, the long takes are the, like, it it is a type of editing, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I I find those. I think they call it so great. French montage, where it's like everything happens in the camera, as opposed to the uh, American montage or Hollywood montage, oh, which is just right. cut, cut, cut. Right. But the, any of those eighties, um, any of those eighties montage sequences, that is a that is brilliant storytelling through editing. Um, 
Absolutely. Oh, the North by Northwest uh, airplane. Oh, North by Northwest another, was another great uh, was one. also uh, in the, on the list. Yeah, for, I'd like great. to think of some more recent stuff. But, but like, but again, it didn't feel like great editing. It was just smart imagery. They, the, what they were referring to in the in that uh, website, uh, that YouTube clip, it's the the train going into the the tunnel. You know, at the end, mm-hmm. like when. It's the metaphor for sex, you know. Right, right. And but, that, that's that's not editing it to me. That's, but the cho- the choice of shots and how long they're held and when you see the, the building of tension for with Cary Grant when when he realizes there's no other bus coming, the airplane is right. dusting crops where there aren't any it's that any quiet, crops. That quietness. Yeah, yeah, that that is some brilliant editing. How far away the plane is as it gets closer and closer. I mean that. It takes forever, and it, the whole time it's just building and building and building, and that that's definitely a triumph of editing. Um, I'm warning you right now; mm-hmm. something's going to happen. Are we going to dip our hands into the mail sack? We're going to dip into the mail sack. Mail sack, mail sack. I want to dip my hands in that mail sack. Yeah, that was great. great. Are we still not on the air? We are still not on the air. Oh I'm so sorry, everybody. And, and like people are tweeting and just waiting. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I honestly don't know what the problem is. Our internet is working, uh, or at least we're able to download stuff. Are you, record- um, are you recording at least? Oh. Shit. Well, see, if everyone's listening to this, then it's not a joke. because And nobody's listening live, so it's just a joke to you. But Bill, okay. I, yeah. Okay. yeah. So you are recording? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because uh, I got up early for this. Oh, uh, I don't want it to be all for not. Not it would be for me. I just love seeing you, Bill. <laughs> I, I know I, that's I, not I, true. I don't get to see enough of you. That is true. Uh, Ryan Stoddard says, uh, "Good morning, Smurps, or just Marty? No, Marty and Bill. Uh, while listening to the last c- couple weeks of shows." Um, Tuesday's mornings, I was delighted to hear Marty mention The Bugle, a podcast that features John Oliver and uh, Andy Zaltzman. Uh, I've been a listener to The Bugle since its uh, first few months and feel that it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. I personally find the show, and the Tuesday's morning show for that matter, vastly more entertaining than the likes of Mark Marin, who I saw jogging the other day. I was walking my dogs and he was jogging and he looked like he was about to die. Um, <laughs> or Adam Carolla. Uh, my question to the group, or again, just Marty, if applicable, uh, are there any other podcasts that you listen to or you feel that you feel um, are underrated or deserving of more attention? Thanks for the free funny. Ryan in Australia. Excellent question. Um, by the way, John Oliver's show is so uh, good as political commentary. Like so smart. He, his show, like he did, a, a, and I've talked about income inequality. He did it far funnier and far more eloquently and far more insightfully than than I uh, could do and uh, it, everyone should go online and watch that it's uh, it's great um, you don't listen to podcasts do you I've tried a few um, I waited until he took the biggest bite of his I know candy. sorry guys no um, no, no that's, I did that on purpose <laughs> uh, it's a power bar this takes energy um, I've tried a few I think you have to really know and like the person going in in order to like the podcast because it's really rambling. And uh, that's not how did people find us? It's just personality based. I'm used to listening to terrestrial radio where it's like there's stingers and it goes and it goes and it goes and you have guests and there's calling and no, it, but there there are ones like that. Like the you yeah. know Kevin Pollock show is is rambly, but it has guests and it's very very good. Uh, the, I think Bill Burr's is incredible and it's just him. 
Yeah, that's I amazing. Think I think he's incredible. He's really, really I think funny. His podcast was fantastic. Congratulations, um, Bill, on your recent um, marriage to a wonderful woman. How do you know she's wonderful? Because I was at her bachelor party, bachelorette party. How were you? At, why were you? Were you dancing? For Mutual friends. But why did dancing. she have guys at her bachelorette? She party? just threw it open. Oh, that's fun. I don't know if it was her bachelorette party, the big one, or if it was her LA bachelorette party before going home to a bachelorette. I don't remember. Anyway, she's great. Love uh, her. And sometimes she shows up in the podcast, and it's hysterical. And that's good. Uh, so that the uh, love the Bill Burr one. Um, I tried doing some of the uh, nerdist ones, and they just didn't land for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen to the guy who does uh, Don uh, 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 Mark Wahlberg. He, he's a comic. He's <laughs> he does so an entire funny. podcast as Mark I, Wahlberg. Well, he shows up on Nerdist podcasts. I think I don't know his name. Uh, I could look it up, but or you could look it up yourself. Uh, but he's all frequently on uh, Doug Loves Movies. Um, and it's one of the fun, and he's all, he does it. It's very spot on, and then there are these jokes that he makes about Donnie Wahlberg, and nice. it's very very funny. Um, okay, well, Bill Burr gets a lot of listenership, certainly more than we do. Um, <laughs> um, um, yeah, basically every podcast we listen to gets more recognition than us, so fuck them. <laughs> I, I listened to some gaming podcasts when I was trying to get uh, see if I could be a guest on them for Lost Planet Three coming out and, and Jim Payton and all that. Um, uh, oh. And there were some good ones. There was one on via Meltdown or the Nerdist. Um, I know he's got another podcast. There's an Indian guy, he and his wife. Yeah, uh, Kamel. Yeah. Johnny. Oh. Uh, but I have to say, not being a hardcore gamer, the, I appreciated the humor, but the content was kind of going over my head. Right. But I definitely appreciated the humor. Um, I yeah. Know, I just like structure, I guess. Yeah. He's actually a Pakistani, so oh, you would sorry. defend him if you... Said that he was Indian. Oh, are you kidding me? He's thrilled I even know he exists. Oh, you don't. You didn't know his name. Uh, Planet Money is the best <laughs> podcast out there on, on economics by far. It's so good. Um, um, I Savage Love is Lovecast is great. The Dan Savage. Oh, I would listen to that if I, if I listen to podcasts. It's it's spot on. I miss the LA Weekly. Stop carrying Savage Love, and I miss reading it. Um, it's really good. And uh, Judge John Hodgman is the best podcast on. It's. <laughs> It's very entertaining. He's a very funny guy. Um, and I'm not just saying that because he went to Yale. Everyone, oh, my, the Stuck on the 80s podcast on Ghostbusters is up right now. Uh, everyone should listen to that. Skeptic's Guide to U- the Universe is really great. It's a sort of a, a critical thinking podcast that is pretty entertaining. Um, and I still listen to uh, Yeah, Dude. It's, um, that is a rambling podcast of uh, two very funny guys. Um, Which two guys? Uh, Jonathan LaRoquette and not John, but his mm-hmm. son, Jonathan and uh, Seth Romatelli, which is, I mean, it's just, it's like, it's like a one, a stoner and a ranter together. It's, very, <laughs> yes. very, it's a very good thing. Can I be both? Um, yeah, you are both. Um, and, <laughs> I'm so not a stoner. Um, and then Professor Blastoff, I st- still listen to, that's Tignataro's and they asked me yesterday if I could be on it, uh, but I cannot. Oh, um, why uh, not? That's a great opportunity. it's today. Oh, look at your priorities. Yeah, my priorities are to you guys. So Even though we're not online and we're not streaming live yeah. and we lose listeners Left by the right, minute. Right. Do, yeah, we have zero listeners this week. This is so disappointing. Um, 
So the, yeah, that's who I would. That's those are the podcasts that I really really like. Um, Some of what limits me from listening to more podcasts is my technophobia. If I were quicker and handier at accessing them, downloading them, and and having that in the car while I drove around, it's in your iTunes. You just it automatically loads. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I don't even know where to look. iTunes. I just told you. I don't. Do I have iTunes on my phone? Do you listen to music on your phone? I usually listen to Pandora on my phone. Well, yes, you have iTunes on your phone. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I, I called myself out as being technophobic. Or just go, to make go it to worse. Stitcher. Stitcher. Just, you, I mean, you're, you're worse than my Stitcher. parents. I haven't even heard of Stitcher. Um, hey, Murps, on the July 1st episode... I'm not worse than your parents because I am not the son of Chinese immigrants who opened the floodgates to the destruction of our country. My mom's parents were born here. Fuck face. Um... On the July 1st episode, you were talking about church and taxes. Uh, thank God Scientology isn't a church in Germany, so I was right. And it's under surveillance by the uh, Constitution protection in some states here. Um, in Germany, when you are a member of the church, you have to pay a church tax, which is about 9% of your income, or payroll tax. Uh, that means in 2012, the Catholic Church got 5.2 billion euros, and the Evangelicals got 4.6 billion euros. Um, and no, then, they can all afford to buy um, World Cup jerseys then. And yeah, a lot of them. And uh, the assets, someone calculated that the assets of the Catholic Church um, in Germany would be 270 billion euros and uh, 2 million acres of real estate, making them the pr- biggest private land owners in Germany. Keep the political hour alive. Wow, that's some great info. I did not know that. Um, Thank you, Michael Binhock, our German listener. If you're another German listener, let us know, because I don't want to just single Michael as the only one, even <laughs> though Michael's great. Germany. He is the voice of Germany. Um, Peter WG writes in, this morning, all a few months ago, um, I asked the opinions of Merps of what to do in L.A. Unfortunately, I didn't get to visit at the time. My work is taking me uh, to the Whittier's Narrows Recreation Area in South El Monte. My mother was born in Whittier um, hmm. from uh, the 25th of July to August 5th. So once more, Whittier. I turn to you for your advice for things to do in the area. I don't know which nights I'll have free, but I'm willing to travel a little to see, uh, uh, to see a good comedy show or otherwise. Thanks again. Uh, Whittier. I, you know, if you can make it to L.A., I, I don't know what's in Whittier, but if you can make it to Whittier's Hollywood. only, what, 45-minute drive? Something like that, yeah. Uh, I would see what's playing at, at UCB. and Have you seen that new theater complex they're building on, on Hollywood Boulevard? No, UCB it's is? insane. I haven't been inside. I just drove by the building, but it's this huge building with oh, nice. Upright Citizens Brigade like all lit up. Jesus. Good for them. Because like, the, the Tamarind, or what used to be the Tamarind Theater, is, is really it's a dump. small. Yeah, it's just small. And, it's a dump. Um, it's small and dumpy. I've gone to shows there and played on that stage. It's small yes, and dumpy. I've done shows on that stage, stage two, but I love it. I love it. It's so much fun. It's so exciting. Isn't that where out. Robert Devonzo's acting class used to take place? Uh, that, back when it was the Tamarind. The class in which yeah. we very first met. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I would go on the UCB website and find out what's there, but know that you know if you don't have reservations, you have to wait in a long line. And also, I love the... The uh, coronet at the Largo, Lar- Largo at the coronet. Yeah, um, that you, you will see like huge names there in a very modest size uh, theater, and it's it, it's a great place. 
There's also a lot of great comedians who bring uh, programming and fellow comedians to do live stuff at the Cine Family. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Doug, Doug loves, Doug Doug loves Benson movie. does. Doug, yeah. Doug Benson Interruption. I think he does that there. Yeah, uh, the Benson Interruption, uh, Interruption, and then he does movie interruptions too. Where he, so I think you should really, uh, yeah. Those those three venues have. I would look at a fourth venue. I would look at Meltdown Comics. Oh yeah, Meltdown, of course. Because they're nerd, nerd Melt. Nerd Melt. Yeah, they have they have comedy shows. They're Nerd, nerd Melt. Theater. I mean, I've seen bad ones, but they they have comedy shows in the back of a comic shop, which is yes. like if you listen to this podcast, that probably just gave you a hard on. Yes, and it's a great comic book store. It's a um, Meltdown Comics, but um, those four theaters uh, are are going to have, you know, on any given night, are going to have a, a great thing. And if you're here on a Saturday or Friday, when do they tape HBO? But you should go see HBO too. What's HBO? Um, I mean, I'm aware of the network, but what, no, no, no. what's the Friday HBO? Uh, that's Hollywood. Uh, Babylon. Babylon. Oh, of course. Right, 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 right. I've just never heard it referred to as HBO. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Home right. box office. Yes. All right. So I hope that helps and have uh, have a fun time. It'll, I'm sure it'll be really hot out there. Uh, Mario. Uh, I'm sorry, not Mario. Um, shit. Um, yeah, Mario. Well, I can't remember. Anyhow, it says Mario here. Um, I'm totally having a brain fart. Um, we, we can tell. Yes. He writes in to congratulate uh, Will Wilkins on the new addition to his family, Blair, um, although Tootie is a better name. I saw a photo <laughs> of little Blair. Um, uh, Will sent it to me, and he is the cutest. Congratulations. Or she, he. Ah, one of those names that can go either I way. so, yeah. Like Leslie. Um, Kruger's I Am The Law was comedy gold A thousand laughs uh, Kruger men- mentioned a mentally unhinged person Around his neighborhood And that maybe he'll talk to a lawyer And perhaps he can mention uh, To uh, the lawyer a new law called Laura's Law um, it, it Basically Laura's Law is a California state law That allows for court-ordered Assisted outpatient treatment Or forced antipsychotics in most cases So basically there was a, a, a Mental health worker who was killed by someone who refused psychiatric treatment. And so this would be a way to force, force someone with severe mental illness um, to um, be hospitalized and medicalized, medicated. I don't know. Um, actually, the interesting thing is in L.A., it's not enacted yet. They're actually deciding today whether they're going to adopt oh, this wow. law. Um, so um, I'm amazed that I know that. <laughs> uh, the city council is discussing it today. but um, I, I am also impressed by it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, the problem with that is um, if the neighbor gets forcefully hospitalized, and this is a guy who owns a gun, by the way, and he's this guy who's off his meds, it, it, it could exacer- exacerbate the situation. Um, so the, for those of you who didn't listen before, this is a guy who uh, goes up and down the street um, Basically, uh, um, just uh, he's broken uh, the windows of a friend of mine's house up there. He's broken uh, windows in in people's uh, cars, and uh, he's just generally a menacing guy who's off his meds. This um, is here in your neighborhood? No, no, this is in Kruger's neighborhood. Oh, okay, um, and uh, so I don't think that's the right approach to uh, 
I, mean, I don't know if it's the safest thing because you don't want to you don't want to stoke the fires of his insanity, and I, I think that's why my friend moved out um, of the neighborhood, um, which is sad because you don't want to you don't want to be forced out of your own home. What are you looking at? Uh, I was looking for our next topic on okay. Facebook, okay, but good. I was listening. You no, don't no. want to be forced out of your own home. It's yeah. sad. It wasn't a safe thing to do. I'm also listening to the banging of your leg, yeah, because it's rattling the microphone. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think it's a good tool to have. Uh, but and it also is weird though forcing medication as on people like because uh, some not everybody believes in medication for psych- psychiatric things. Mm-hmm. But um, and that I don't know. I don't know how I feel about yes. Laura's law. But we'll I call think them idiots. Hosp- <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes, but hospitalization I, I don't have a problem with forced hospitalization. Um, but yes, that is something that's out there. Thank you, Ash Williams. That's who Mario, Mario is. So um, You're like Mario Andretti because he always drives his car well. Yes. Which way, That's way? the second half of a Beastie Boys rhyme. Yes. It rhymes with Jerry Lee Falwell, but I can't remember. Right. You're like Jerry Lee Lewis or Jerry Lee Falwell. You're like Mario Andretti because he always drives his car well. Something like that. Nice. Um, I, I haven't listened to the Beastie Boys in years. Drake Bailey just uh, emailed us. He said, Dear Murps, I am... Currently in Texas. I survived the 12-hour drive with the help of, of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, is this the guy who's in love with the girl yeah. and I told him not to be? Yeah. Ooh, let's hear it. Uh, I get to stay here for four days. She is wonderful. Excellent. Wonderful. wonderful. And even though we have only spent a few uh, hours together, I know my We've time already had sex four times. will be amazing, <laughs> uh, even if we don't do anything other than watch Little Rascals. Aw. I'm glad I did it. I just hope I don't get caught in a lie by my mom. Uh, but I mean, what is she going to do? Dra- drag me back from Texas? Yeah, well, right. Hopefully, your mom doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, she's a big listener. You just outed yourself, yeah. pal. I'll keep you guys updated. Drake, that is fantastic. Yeah, congratulations. And what is cuter than than being Young with a wonderful girl and watching Little Rascals? Um, that is that is great. I'm glad that you uh, are doing that. You're doing it just right. Yeah, and I think you, your expectations are are you know you've you've definitely work them out and and if uh, you get your heart broken that's what's supposed to happen in life especially when you're young yeah um, that's the, the glory of being young have you seen boyhood yet no have you saw it last night uh and did you enjoy it i did i've i hadn't seen a link letter film in a long time and i'd forgotten that nothing happens um i also keep forgetting that movies are now 17 hours so you go at around 8.45, and you're like, wow, I'm hungry, because it's fucking breakfast time the next day. Yeah. It's only 2.45. That is a long fucking movie. Yeah. I was like racing to get the last two, train home. It's three hours, I think. 242 yeah. minutes, something like that. I went, to an, I went to an 8.45 movie, and it never occurred to me that I would be running down Vine Boulevard trying to get the last train But if downtown. you're Richard Linklater, you're like... I fucking filmed for 12 goddamn years. The least you can do is sit in the fucking seat for three measly hours. And it's no... Uh, have you seen Jodorowsky's Dune yet? Uh, no, no. Oh, my God. You have to see, you yeah, that, have to see it. I think that's on Netflix now. It's so worth it. Like, at, at about the halfway point, he's talking about this movie that absolutely should be made, and everything that everything about this movie is incredible, and you can't wait to see it. And you can't understand why it didn't get made. And, he's, and, and about the halfway point of learning all about this movie, he's like... And I told them it would be uh, maybe 18 hours, maybe 24 hours. doesn't matter. <laughs> Dude, I was so on board until you said that. 
That is awesome. It's, a, it's an amazing documentary, but it reminded me of that, of course. Yeah. It's a great film. Definitely go see it. And it and takes place in Texas where Drake is right now. Yeah, it's like, it'll be like watching home movies. Yeah. Especially if you get your heart broken. Yeah. Spoiler. I, I, I'm just going to bring a sandwich when I go. That's right. Yeah. Bring a sandwich. Yes. Um, this next one is from Josh Estay. Estay. Um, and it's an audio one. This morning, small code crew. This morning, Twitter guys. Josh Estay here from Southwest Louisiana. Just kind of been a few weeks since the last time I sent an email. Throwing my voice into here because it's kind of in. Marty, I wanted to see if you knew anything about our government paying off drug lords in other countries to keep them from messing with our troops. I thought that was interesting. Don't we have the technology to also take out the drug lords? while we're there and kind of try to eliminate that problem too I mean hell we're doing every other humanitarian effort that we can think of why not that um, topical two birds with one stone yeah I, passing I, our troops and sending refugee kids to our borders I, assuming he's talking about uh, the opium uh, drug lords in, in Afghanistan um, because that's where we are sounds like a great band name uh, opium drug lords in Afghanistan yeah uh yeah, I mean, I I was thinking about like I don't know ODIA. what the, the difference is between that took me way too long to figure out these uh, these drug gangs in uh, Honduras just killing want, wantonly killing everybody and uh, what's going on in in other countries that we are have military presence in you know what we need what we need what we need is a masked vigilante uh, we need the Punisher. All right, there you go. That, no rules, no laws. Uh, Josh, for your thoughtful question, that Huge is your moronic rate. answer. Huge success. I'm serious. Send the Punisher. Get, get Thomas Jane out there. Get, yeah. Frank Castle. Yeah, but Thomas Jane played him. Yeah, but I want the real Punisher. Uh, not yeah, Hollywood sanitized I Actually, I'm not version. familiar with all that, um, but I know that like the problem with a lot of these wars is that we lose sight of... of um, because we get involved in these with these battles with specific um, entities, and that we lose the the whole greater picture. And but I, you know, I guess uh, the calculus on the military side is that um, opium is not as tra- uh, as big a problem as religious zealots, and mm-hmm. which I'm I'm okay with. <laughs> kind of I, I wonder if it's anything like Ireland where. Um their opium and the religious zealots are intertwined in a, in a, in yeah, a way sure that's just impossible to unravel. But I think you know you have to make a lot of compromises. In, in like, there's no war. there's no motivation for an IRA peace process because arms of the IRA are involved in drug trafficking, and right. they'll they'll lose all of their money and power if there's peace. <laughs> um. But it's a great question. I'm, uh, maybe we'll uh, look into it for another. Uh, Frank Castle, episode. problem uh, solved. Problem solved. Just legalize uh, drugs, uh, campaign finance reform. Send Frank Castle to Honduras and no, no, Iraq. Ta- yeah, no, and then we're done. We just solved all the world's problems. Afghanistan is where the drug problem is. I thought I said Iraq and Afghanistan. Did I just say Iraq? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, Send him to Iraq anyway. I'm sure you can shoot something. Good morning, Marty, and anyone else who finally took pity on him after last week's Marty party. That's me. I pity you, Marty. That sounds terrible. Like basically, Chris was saying, like I like Marty party as a, that, as a branch off podcast. That was a train wreck we had to listen to and i, think we should I name, pity you i 
thank God it was an only an hour because that was uh, like uh, my ears are bleeding. Did so. you do a top of the hour and then sign off? Basically, no. Ladies and gentlemen, it's top of the hour, and this morning show is over. <laughs> yeah, and see you next Tuesday. Um, we should subtitle the Smart Coast Morning Show West Coast Edition: The Marty Party. Okay, it's the Marty Party. Uh, just that one episode was. <laughs> Next Every week, episode is a Marty party. This for is me. from Chris Brown, by the way, in Saskatoon. Uh, next week, I'm going to Banff to a- attend a conference call, uh, a conference called Poland in the Rockies. Banff is the sound effect when Nightcrawler teleports. It is. Are you going to teleport there? Uh, uh, which is a ten event focus on Polish history, politics, and culture. Pierogies. Because Chris Brown is a nice, good Polish name. Krampus. Uh, it aims. Uh, its aim is to teach about Polish heritage, mostly people of Polish descent, uh, who grew and up elsewhere, but mainly North America. As my name should indicate, I am not Polish at all. Dingus day. But I was invited because my friend uh, from uni is running it, and I thought I'd enjoy it. Kishka. And it. Um, it's ten days in the Rockies, all expenses paid. So my query is: nice. What is the oddest event you found yourself at, or do you enjoy uh, doing things um, as an outsider just for the story? Cheers. I do enjoy doing things just as an outsider, just for the story. And I do remember as a caterer being in a lot of very strange events. I'm trying to think of what the strangest was. I, I remember taking, uh, in like uh, fourth grade, taking Scott Kaplan, like the, the coolest guy in class, out to a Christmas fair. And like, you know, being excited because it was like the first time I had done something with Scott Kaplan. And uh, we get out of the car with my parents and... Uh, He's like, and it's a Christmas fair. And he goes, you know, I'm Jewish. <sighs> and like, I don't know. I didn't know. Like, I, I just was not a thing that was even you on my mind. You didn't see religion. I did not see religion. I did not know Kaplan was a, a nice Jewish name, uh, which I do know now. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, can you think of uh, what were you Think thinking? of a few. Autoramas are very weird. I went as a kid um, and was thrilled that R2-D2 was there. And then I catered one as an adult, as a bartender, and was thrilled that the General Lee and um, the actor who played Enos were there. Uh, what is Autorama? It's just a car show. Oh. Um, but I think the strangest one I did was also Christmas-themed. I drove down to Akron on a very wet, snowy day because Akron, the rubber city, home of LeBron James, and the rubber city rebels, and Devo, and... The Black Keys and Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders. Um, you know, she hasn't lived there in 40 years. It doesn't matter. She was born there, so suck it. Um, she wasn't born in Whittier. I lost my train of thought because I'm really tired. Oh, because I'm super jet-lagged. Oh, right. Um, that's a good story. So Akron is a sister city of some really small town in Germany. And I had just booked the Yaver commercial, and I was home for Christmas, and my mom was on a German trip. German kick. So we drove down to Akron because there's this street fair where all these stalls are set up where the sister city come, members of the sister city merchants come over to Akron and sell all this German, all these German tchotchkes. Mm -hmm. And it was weird for a lot of reasons. First of all, the concept of sister cities, I always think is strange. Secondly, why do you have an outdoor event in December in Northeast Ohio. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, there was like a skating rink and everything, which was kind of cool, but it, like these guys were like selling, I don't know, hot dogs on sticks, whatever the German version of a hot dog on a stick is, and like beer steins and 
ornaments and stuff. It's nothing that anyone needs. Uh, and they do it every year, and I guess it's kind of well-attended and successful because they keep doing it. But it, the whole time I was walking around thinking, this is incredibly strange and Schnitzel unnecessary. Sticking. <laughs> yeah. Although I still have this really awesome beer stein I got there, but I never drank from it. Perhaps I shall celebrate the World Cup victory by drinking from the Stein this week. No, that sounds good. Um, yeah, I, you, you know, I've done a bunch of like corporate events as a presenter. Like, yeah, really? Yeah. So I, I didn't used to know this. Used to work for Apple, and you, we'd go to all that Mac Worlds, and and you're allowed to say it without being struck down by a sniper. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So I would work, um, you know, demo in front of hundreds of people, like how to use iMovie or, you know, uh, was that at all fun? Yeah, it was really fun because you're like, people remember you from year to year. I like, really? I remember you from last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get to keep your turtleneck afterward? <laughs> um, and cause did all, you have a Mac all... assigned turtleneck? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. We all had, the, well, it was a mock turtleneck. Ah, not I, a Mac turtleneck. I sold it on eBay. Did you for fifteen dollars? Yeah, <laughs> people isn't that crazy? That is weird. Like, and then I, I can't decide if it's worth the fifteen dollars to not have a mock turtleneck. Yeah, well, it, with a big apple on it. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yeah. Uh, then uh, last year I did a real estate thing, and it's just funny because like some people really get into these things, and you see like people with like. You know, bags and bags of swag, and mm-hmm. and just like, uh, like, and they can they're really into real estate, and like, all right, that's great, that's I awesome. I think I catered a something related to water purifiers at a convention center, something about water. I can't remember what it was. I just remember that every every time somebody came up and ordered a drink, they didn't want any ice because it it uh, is wasteful. No, not that it was wasteful. It's that it contaminated the. Whatever they were drinking because it was ta- ice made from tap water and not purified spring water, whatever the fuck. And Pete Rose was there and I got him to sign a baseball on my lunch break. <laughs> that's awesome. That's um, the other thing that's weird about those conventions are like the random guests. Like in that horrendously boring and trite movie Up in the Air when uh, George Clooney is at a convention and uh, young MC is, is playing Bust a Move and they're all dancing and getting drunk and cheating on their wives. Yeah. No, it's like the beginning of uh, of um, Silicon Valley, which is where yes, you know, which yes. is great. Everybody should watch that. It's very funny. Uh, uh, but Chris, that's a great question, piece, that, and that but it sounds like I mean, being in the Rockies, the Canadian Rockies, for ten days with uh, eating kielbasa and and pierogies and pierogies. Well, the pierogies are a thing too. Are they really? Yeah, I don't know about pierogies. Uh, they're like big doughy things filled mm, with meat. No, and. Um, uh, that sounds rocking awesome. out to some polka, yeah, and having some, some cordine music. Um, I playing who stole the kishka with some fine young thing, yeah, and being the the non pole there, like d- just you know add add some syllables to your last name and you'll fit right in. I hope they have a t shirt gun loaded with sauerkraut. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, Keegan writes in, Hey, morning Murps, odd question, but what is the most memorable moment of your lives? The one, the one that's burned into your mind forever. Uh, here's mine. Podcasting solo. <laughs> <laughs> the Marty party. Yeah. I, you know, I, th- it's been a very, uh, memorable couple weeks and, um, with some horrible events that have happened, um, 
that uh, I, I, so that, that's sort of in my mind right now. Um, one of them was I, my neighbor, uh, a couple doors down just started screaming and I run up there and they, they're, they kept their dog on a, on a leash, which mm-hmm. or on a, a rope, which you're not supposed to do. It's against the law. And the dog had, uh, jumped over the fence and hung itself oh, and geez. so like i had I, I jumped over the fence and like got all cut up and and but it was too late the dog was had already passed away and that was just a horrible image and i've been mm. hard to shake that from my mind right now i'd say so um but so yeah that, that there's that well right now yeah, we're a comedy podcast bringing right, you up yeah right now similar to marty the memory that was triggered by that question uh, is also triggered by the present. I really have to pee. And I remember being on the swim team at the Cleveland skating club and really having to pee. And because this is a window into my personality, uh, I didn't like to disrupt things. And I seemed to let myself suffer unnecessarily. I wet myself uh, on the sidelines of the swimming pool rather than just going to the bathroom. And I was hoping because there's water everywhere, there's standing water everywhere at a swim meet because there's so much splashing and all that, that no one would notice. Did they notice? I don't think anybody did, but I still feel like an idiot for not just going to the fucking bathroom. Yeah. Right. It's like that scene in Clerks where the, uh, I haven't seen it long enough to remember the the blonde guy, no, the other guy, uh, they're talking about basically defining their personalities with this moment where the toilet seat was down and he ended up wetting his pants because he didn't want to shake anything up by lifting the toilet seat where Randall, I think was the other guy's like, why don't you just lift the fucking toilet seat? That's funny. Uh, I could relate to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, when you're a kid, you don't want to stir things up or like, I, I, I didn't, was, I was not one of those. Kids. I didn't know, some how, some to, kids I really didn't know did. how to ask for permission. That whole thing of like, yeah. it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. I'm still trying to learn that. Uh, wow. Like I could have just said, no, actually, if it's 80 euro, I don't want this jersey. <laughs> right. But instead, I just paid for it. Wow. Keegan just made it real. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Keegan, for that very soul-wrenching question. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Hopefully when I'm 80 and someone says, what's your most indelible memory, it won't also be wetting myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jonah writes in, uh, hey, Smurps, are, are there any as there are technical difficulties today, I really don't have any idea who all is there other than Bill and Marty. Bill, I hope you had a fantastic time in Japan. I did, thank you. Arigato gozaimasu. Uh, Marty, have you had a chance to watch the new episode of Utopia? No, I know it, it aired this weekend, and I haven't. I cannot Utopia. believe it. I haven't I seen haven't it. Watched that yet? It's so. It, this is a crazy busy week, um, so I probably won't get it get to it until the weekend. Um, we, uh, Bill and I, are playing in a band on Saturday together. Playing rock and roll. It's a little rock and roll at my friend's uh, covers party. Um, I have to thank you for helping me reevaluate my attitude towards new wave. Yeah, yeah. Bill came around. It's a, and we're playing a an old New Order song. And uh, just never listened. To, it was too mopey for me. But I'm just digging it. It's it's, it's a really thoughtful. Song. I want to know the lyrics. I want to know what he's saying because I'm really moved by it. it but I have it's no a song idea what's called going Ceremony. Um, and Heaven knows it's got to be this time. Yeah, it's oh, a really it's really so good song. Fucking good. Um, and. Um, I have to cook for a funeral reception tomorrow. <laughs> Gotta, Marty's not having a good week. It's not been a good week at all. But uh, but I'm looking forward to Saturday because we get to rock out. Um, yeah. Forward me that invitation, by the way, so I know what the address is. Okay. 
Steve, how's the aftermath after a cleanse? Um, Steve, he, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> Fuck Steve. Emily, I'll be playing Pathfinder for the first time next week. Uh, have you any small advice to enjoy the experience more? Fuck Emily. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't bring a, she don't got her uh, car all fixed up. Uh, as always, thank for the weekly uh, Tuesday pick-me-up, and I look forward to hearing the pod tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. We didn't, we didn't get this going on. Um, and now, fuck me, man. Uh, it's just too much shit going on. Um, that was the mail sack. <laughs> sorry. Wow, I, Marty, I, really dude, tie, I just, tied, a little, tied, tied it up with a little bow at the end. There. Yeah, I just looked at the, the, my email, and I just got a, an email thing for more bullshit stuff. Uh, what were you going to talk about next? I was going to talk about something next? Yeah. You said, I said, what are you doing, like... 20 minutes ago and you said looking for the next thing to talk about oh i was just that was just covering my tracks because i was checking my my social media and i got busted oh (laughs) (laughs) although i will say when i was on social media this morning um and this is something i'm sure people have seen uh do you see the article about the new york restaurant that used 10 year old this could all be a total hoax but they used 10 year old security footage to try to evaluate why their business isn't growing and why they're getting more and more customer complaints and why people are waiting for tables longer and they're not able to serve as many people as they used to and the restaurant isn't doing as well as it was 10 years ago. Have you seen this? It's quite fascinating. And what did they... Because you think it's going to be a problem of the service or a problem of the menu or a problem, something internal, something, you know, they didn't, they're not, people aren't, they're not training their wait staff well enough. The wait staff isn't as mindful um, because they're, because everyone's, no one gives a shit. Everyone's checked out on their jobs, this kind of thing. And it actually was fascinating. It was all about the average time everything takes being doubled, tripled, and quadrupled because, because of people's of use of smartphones. Yeah, people are taking pictures of the food. Yeah, they're taking pictures of the food. They sit down, and the first thing they do is they, they, just, they ask the waiter for internet connection, and then they get the waiter over again to help them sign up for Wi-Fi because something's not working. And then they're looking on their phones for five or ten minutes before they open the menu. So already you're 10 minutes behind. It was like almost 45 to 55 minutes longer per average customers sitting at a table. The bill comes and they're on their phone, so they don't pay the bill right away. Um, all the pictures, having the waiter take pictures of them, and then having the waiter come back to retake the picture because they didn't like it enough. And just the minutes just racking up for how hard it is to turn over a table. So people have to wait longer for tables. Um, Services services disrupted because the waiters are being asked to do all these things. That Twenty-seven aren't out of forty-five customers ask their waiter to take a group photo. Right. Fourteen of those requests uh, of of those requested a a retake of the photo, and just like you know, like it seems innocent. Like what's a couple of seconds? Yeah. And, but it it adds up when you're trying to do a high turnover business. The other one was taking pictures of the food, retaking pictures of the food, and then having the food sent back because it got cold. It's like. What did you think was going to happen? Well, no, that's uh, nine out of forty-five sent their food back to reheat. Yeah, um, 20, but that takes time. Twenty-six out of forty-five, but that's not because they were get, taking pictures. That's a separate issue. I thought it was. There was explicitly because they were taking pictures of it. Um, well, it that's how I read it this morning. Twenty-six out of forty-five customers spent an average of three minutes taking photos of the food. Well, what's going to happen in those three minutes? Is it going to get hotter or I colder? Know, but then, but they don't. That it doesn't say that those are the same ones that sent back the food. Oh, please! No, <laughs> that's um, not. That's not a, a gigantic leap in logic. It's. I think it is. Um, 
It says it in there. It says what you think was going to happen to the food if you, while you were taking pictures of it. It mm-hmm. says it in the article. Um, guys, we wanna, uh, the last question I have about T-shirts, and please email me or, or tweet us back. I'd forgotten um, about the uh, possibility yeah, of T-shirts. Because we have, uh, we're going to put little phrases on the back of them. Nooners. Um, um, well, what, two of them are fuck Cleveland, and then the other one is pimp that fuck. Um, my question is, how do people feel about profanity on the uh, on a T-shirt? Um, I'm obviously not going to wear a T-shirt that says "fuck Cleveland," but I also don't think I would wear a T-shirt that said "fuck" on it. Yes, and I I don't, and I always notice it when I see it out in public when people are like, you know, uh, you know, who gives a fuck or whatever. Right. And even do when I they, look like I give a fuck? Is I've seen on a T-shirt, and even when they use like asterisk. Asterisk, swirly. Well, so, it's still like, what? yeah. So my question is, like, do you want do you want us to say fuck on it, or do you want us to use the asterisk, or do you want us to uh, we can take it off? Or? I just want to see a T-shirt that says nooners. I think we underuse that word. Well, because we don't go at noon. I know, but we still call our fans nooners. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. No. I just did like four times today. Yeah, but nobody else does. We decided we had this conversation on the air what we were going to call our fans, and we decided to stick with Nooners because it's a, a, a nod to the old days where I wasn't even here, and I just still thought it was a good idea. Hmm. Um, um, Look it up. No, you. It's been archived. Send it to me. Send me the link. Uh, is, do do people like being called Nooners? Well, you don't get to pick your own nickname. That's I just picked it for you. Thing. Problem solved. You're Nooners. Uh, Deal with it. So. Yeah, we have uh, what pink, uh, pink ascot, pretentious thing, fuck Cleveland, listless masturbation, wonderful. Let's pink not. Ascot. Can we not have a hashtag on our t-shirts? What do you mean? Just just list it. Yeah. Every time I see a t-shirt with a hashtag on it, I'm like, stop trying to make something happen. Oh, I see. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. no, we can use some of our hashtag phrases, but an, the actual Hash. image of a hashtag on the shirt, I okay. always find super tacky. Okay. Well, we don't want to be tacky. That's the last thing this show <laughs> should ever be. Um, we are tactless. Yes. Um, all right. Well, let us know how you feel about that, because we, we can either take it off or we can blur it out or, or use the... Um, I'd like to reopen that conversation to all the people who can't listen. Yeah, I, well, tweet tweet at us during the week, and I will compile everything. Um, I have a question for you, Marty. Yes. First of all, it's nice to be back, just the two of us. Oh, yeah. Although, I guess it was never just the two of us. It was always you, me, and James, which is why I'm missing James more than ever. But I think you're doing a great job. Not my question. Here's my question. Mm. Uh, I really enjoyed that stretch we had where it was just the two of us, and obviously I was filling in for Dan, mm-hmm. and I could never replace Dan. He's a giant among men. Um but I'm going to ask you to do a little compare and contrast of the show with me and the show with Dan when it was just the two of you. Obviously, you had more celebrities. You had more listeners. Yeah. Um, you had James. Uh, Actually, I retract that question. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just got wistful. <laughs> I can believe it. Oh, those were the, the days. Uh, no, I mean, there's a definitely a different dynamic. Extremely I mean, so, yeah. Uh, and I mean, uh, the, the status is, you know, the... Shift is different. Um, but no, you both talk over me relentlessly. Excellent. You both uh, just go on rants like that are have apropos of nothing and not listening to anything I'm saying. Excellent. Um, both of you, you know, are very handsome <laughs> men. Extremely well-traveled handsome men. So, um, 
So post- I'm an acceptable substitute. Absolutely. We wouldn't have... There, there's no reason we would do this uh, if with, uh, it wasn't great fun to do it. So, and yeah, by the way, yeah, just if I don't re, if I don't mention it enough, like I, we love doing the show. We, mm. we, I genuinely missed it while I was away. Yeah. That's, we that's look forward fact. to doing it. We, we have, uh, the, this episode has been particularly hard, uh, not hard, but, uh, de- a bummer because we don't get your feed. We're not getting your feedback immediately. I'm sure these pod people who regularly pod it are very happy <laughs> like see this is what it's like um finally at even playing field. yeah uh, but it is really fun to have get your feedback in while we're doing it because i'm sure um i'm sure all of you are, are thinking oh i wish i could have tweeted in i could have corrected them he was so wrong uh, they didn't need to waste 10 minutes deliberating that guy's name i could have just tweeted it to them yeah yeah and um so we do appreciate you hang, uh, hanging in there for this week when we, d- we did not go live. Um, and then, but we do also want your feedback on those T-shirts. Um, no, nah. Even if you didn't uh, get a T-shirt, uh, I would like to know what your thoughts are about profanity on a T-shirt. And, uh, get it's an interesting you, question. Yeah. And any other tweets you have, that's at Nooner Dan Marty. Nooner. And noonerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, with well, hopefully next week it'll just be Dan and Marty, you know. Uh, with <laughs> the original Dan and Marty with Dan and Marty. Uh, I would love to see Dan again. Yeah, he was. I missed he, him the last time he came. I mean, I haven't seen him in three, four months. Well, I think today was his only window to come in, uh, but then something came up, yeah. and so, I don't know that I've seen him in this room. Yeah, he was here once. Um, but hopefully we'll get him in in, I think he's gone till February, maybe? Ooh, where's he going? He's uh, working on iZombie in Canada. Oh, get picked up? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Congratulations, Dan. Yeah, so that's very exciting. I mean, yeah, I couldn't be happier for him. But I did we, not know. We do lose out on on uh, not having him here. Um, but if you want to tweet Dan, that's at Dan Etheridge, um, at Bill... Twatterson. It's Tweeters. Uh, at Steven Kruger with a PH at M-L-E. That's E-M-E-L-I-E. Um, and uh, O'Hara. Uh, Marty, you? Uh, yeah, so, and yeah, happy birthday, DJ James. Happy we'll birthday, try to James. schedule you uh, soon to be on the show. Feliz cumpleaños. What? <laughs> it's happy birthday in Japanese. What? And uh, we will see you next Tuesday. Arigato gozaimasu. If that fuck. If that fuck. If that fuck.
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Yeah.